How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Yell in a Cell Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Zachary Weinberger, here with JP Acosta. First of all, as we always start the show, JP, how's it going? It's going great, man. Uh, last week of summer classes, I'm actually ready to be done with summer mm-hmm. classes. But it's been, it's been pretty good. Same here, and yeah, the, the summer classes, especially where we go, it's jam-packed in the term, so it's been a crazy uh, sort of stressful semester, So, we're, but we're good. Um, haven't, gone, haven't done a, you know an episode in a while. The last one we did, I think, was our NXT TakeOver in Your House predictions, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but really, the, the main part of this episode, we're going to be talking about Hell in a Cell that happened this past Sunday, Monday night, we're all the day after, and then NXT the day after that. And also, we'll talk about maybe the NXT before that as well, which is a pretty good episode. Um, but a lot to talk about. A couple of news there I want to talk about as well. But before we do that, let's go to NXT TakeOver in your house real quick because we did a – like we do everything with the predictions and stuff like that of who won. Um, we tied, I'm pretty sure, in the card. But we had a tiebreaker idea of whatever match would get the highest rated by Dave Meltzer would basically win – and JP picked the six-man tag. I picked the women's title match. I, the six-man tag did get the highest score. It got a four-star. And like I said, Dave Miller hates women. So I'm, I, that match got the three-star <laughs> match. Um, so JP won. Um, and then we'll talk about Hell in a Cell, whose predictions were right there. I'm actually going to pull it up uh, because we didn't do an episode because, again, really crazy. Um, so we're going to just kind of go by that. We it's, have to do a review for Hell in a Cell because we're yelling a cell. This is like our flagship. That is, you know, I really didn't think about that, but that's, I mean, it's true. So uh, I, I remember when JP came up with that idea and I'm like, bro, I'm surprised that no one thought of that. I'm surprised no one had it because we were going through a lot of ones that people already had. It was great. Um so let's go ahead and just kind of kick it off with Hell in a Cell. So before we do that, just kind of give our overall thoughts. Uh, another WWE pay-per-view that was, I mean, pretty damn good. I mean, I, I feel like I have kind of a couple low points that we'll talk about, but I thought the show overall was actually pretty good. It kind of exceeded my expectations. And we'll talk about the matches. We'll talk about the spots. But JP, overall thoughts on the show? I mean, overall, it was one of the better pay-per-views that the WWE has had this year. Honestly, there was really only like one, I guess, kind of low point. But even that wasn't like a drastically low, like never watching this product again low. And the Hell in a Cell matches were great. Like each one of them were amazing matches. So I really think this was a really good pay-per-view and everything kind of made sense. Completely agree. And it will kind of go over because one of a person that kind of commented under our uh, a post said that they basically got up with the point that like, you know, when it comes to Thunderdome era pay-per-views, what was the favorite and stuff like that. And we'll, we'll kind of go over that because I mean, the first Thunderdome pay-per-view we got was WrestleMania 36. So it's been a lot of time. Again, this is the last, the last Thunderdome era pay-per-view. The next one, Money in the Bank in July is going to be the first one with fans coming back, so that's going to be exciting. Well, outside of, um, outside of Mania 37. Oh, yeah, true, true, true. So, but, like, kind of going back officially, like, on tour. Yeah. So, um, so we'll talk about it. 
So, first of all, I mean, if we want to talk about quickly the pre-show is Mandy Rose versus Natalia. Natalia and Tamina, they're kind of in a, a little bit of a, a rivalry between Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Natalia defeated Mandy Rose. Um, I don't remember this being a bad match, surprisingly. Uh, it was fine. I don't know if you had any brief thoughts on that, JP, in the pre-show. I think it advanced the story, so I can't really hate it. Yeah, we'll see, we'll, we'll see where that rivalry goes. Um, so the opening match was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. We basically, the show with Hell in a Cell matches, this time being Bianca Belair defending her title against Bayley. Um, I, I'm going to be saying this kind of quite a lot throughout this episode. Um, I feel like that the buildup for this match has been kind of not shaky, but a little bit flawed in my opinion. You know, um, they were doing some good work, Bayley and Belair, like they always do. Uh, I'm not sure... And again, it kind of goes to the whole debate of like, did, did this rivalry really need a Hell in a Cell match? And then the whole thing about the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, how like, you know, the Hell in a Cell stipulation has always been this kind of blood feud type of thing. Like that's that's only saved for a couple things. Um, but, here, but like, you know, every, usually October, but every year, you know, there has to be a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So someone has to be in Hell in a Cell. So, but I, I thought that this match was great uh, personally for me. And obviously, I was kind of comparing it on Twitter to the one last year between Bailey and, and Banks, uh, which I thought was great. I don't know if it reached that level, but it was still pretty damn good. Bianca Belair proves that she, again, she is a superstar. Bailey proves, again, she's probably one of the, I mean, arguably one of the greatest of all time already, you know? Um, and a, a lot of innovative spots here. We saw Bailey kind of use the kendo sticks in a lot of innovative ways. Uh, and the different kind of gimmick spots were great, especially the ending. Bianca Belair does retain her title, hitting a KOD on a ladder to Bailey, which is a great spot in the night. Um, again, I thought it was great stuff. And where does Bianca Belair go from here? I don't know. We'll see what happens on Friday. Uh, but I thought it was a great match to start off the show. JP, what did you think? I think it was a fantastic match. I think Bianca Belair is finally what the main roster when Vince McMahon has been looking for in terms of a non-four-horsewoman legit superstar. Bianca Belair is a legitimate superstar. She has the entire the look, the promo, the wrestling ability. As Cameron Grimes says, to the moon. She's going straight to the moon. I think the match itself was really great. What I enjoy is that they keep using Bianca Belair's hair in different innovative ways. So it's not like, okay, we're just going to do the whip spot over and over again. Because then it comes kind of stale. But they use it in a lot of different ways. They're like taping the kendo stick, the... Um, just all the different creative spots. I think Bailey, again, I think you said it best. She's one of the best to step in the WWE main roster ring for a women's competitor. Um, she's been great in her heel role. And again, who better for Bianca Belair to feud with for her first, like for her run to the title than Sasha Banks and Bailey? Like those are two automatically like great opponents. Where does she go from here? I have no clue. Because outside of uh, Bailey and uh, Bianca Belair, who else is on that roster? I don't think they go back to the Sasha Banks well because they just finished that up. For SummerSlam? Or no? I, I would. So. I, I could see it. I don't think, think it's too soon. It's too soon for Mania. Like, they just did that Mania. I think... It, I think if they're going to do something at SummerSlam, I think it's either going to be someone who comes over from a superstar shakeup 
or a main a NXT call up. I just don't know who yet. Right. I, I, I would think for me, because again, they're according to reports and sources and stuff like that, they're treating SummerSlam as this year's WrestleMania, you know, and we've been kind of seeing the reports and we'll kind of go over those reports a little bit. I, I would say after Hell in a Cell, after we're done talking about it, we'll talk about it because there's a lot of crazy made matches that they want to put for there. I would think that Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair too, uh, would definitely blow, blow the roof off the place for a SummerSlam. You know, I feel like if it's, if it's not there, you know, it can't be at a random one, but I, I see what you mean. But like you said about those innovative spots with the hair, it was awesome when like Bailey was like tying her hair to the ropes and kind of getting her leverage there, tying it to the chair. And even Belair tying her hair to Bailey. Uh, I, I just thought I just thought it was great. And even Bailey kind of calling back to last year's Hell in a Cell match. She tried to do a spot with a kendo stick by like connecting it from the ring to the cell and it didn't work. Uh, this time she brought it back and when Michael Cole was trying to explain it, she was telling him to shut up. I just love that whole Michael Cole Bailey thing. It's one of my favorite parts about SmackDown or a pay-per-view is great. Um, but once again, you know, you talked about how it, it, it's awesome that we're seeing Bianca Belair and Bailey go at it. And like, that's a perfect first opponent. We'll talk about why maybe that, that might not be the case for the raw side. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but I thought for an opening match, I thought it was great. So Bianca Belair, I would say out of her reign so far for Bianca Belair, it's, uh, I mean, she's only had two matches def- defending the title. I thought it was better than the one at WrestleMania Backlash, and I thought that was pretty good too. Um, it's going to be hard to kind of go over that banks Belair match from WrestleMania. Anything's going to top that banks Belair mania match. Not this year, at least. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I even because, like, again, I would be totally excited for a, a sequel to those two in the ring. But that that first match was just which is special. Um, we haven't seen face Bianca Belair one on one. Someone who could be in the shakeup. What about Charlotte? Okay, here's the thing, right? We'll talk about that. I, I I'd say let's talk about that once we get to the Raw Women's Championship match and why I think that would be awful, right? Because I we'll, we'll talk about. It. Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about um, but but again, I, I I thought that this match was great and Bianca Belair is a superstar. Um, so moving on to the second match of the night, and it's funny because again, I, I feel like SmackDown kind of had a home run tonight, or had a home run in the Hell in the Cell. We'll talk about Ron a little bit. Um, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. Uh, they, they've been having a feud. I've been really enjoying their kind of segments they've been having. Uh, I don't know if I, I forgot if we talked about the SmackDown, but the segment with Bailey and Seth Rollins on that Ding Dong Hello show and Cesaro was- crashing the party. I loved it. I thought it was great. Fantastic. Did you, did you like that segment too? The comedic timing was hilarious. And these two characters for Seth Rollins and Bailey, they're really allowing them to get more like in depth with how they uh, the characters act. Because this is something like we haven't seen from Bailey. We haven't seen this kind of heel from Seth Rollins since probably like 2015, 2016. So I think it's great. I think all of this is fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. And especially when like, Someone rang the doorbell and it was Cesaro and Seth Rollins said, oh, you, you should have. What's the surprise you got for me? And Bill was like, I have no idea. It was great. Um, so they have another match th- this time. And this is, and by the way, we both pre- obviously predicted uh, Bianca Belair to win and to retain the title. This match, we had different opinions. I had Seth Rollins, JP had Cesaro. Um, and right here, Seth Rollins actually came out on here. 
and but still an absolute kind of you know another banger that they've been having together. It seems like when when those two are in the ring, you really can't have a bad match. I think it's impossible. Even if you try to butcher it, they're not going to do it. Um, but again, back and forth, they've been going at it with each other, and uh, the ending uh, it was actually uh, Rollins getting the the roll up on Cesaro to go ahead and take it, the win there. And the, you'll, it's kind of like what WWE likes to do, the whole 50-50 booking. There'll probably be a rubber match a little later on. Um, but I still thought it was a good match, and Seth Rollins takes one here. JP, thoughts on the match? I thought it was a great match. Um, I think it's equal to their WrestleMania match in terms of in-ring, if not better. Um, I was shocked, really, that Cesaro lost, considering how great of a run he had been as a face. But what this match really told me is they have to be doing Rollins reigns at Money in the Bank. Like, that's got to be the next step. Um, there's no other conceivable way where I think, like, who else is going to challenge Roman Reigns at this point, considering he sent Rey Mysterio to uh, uh, see Eddie Guerrero on Friday in the Hell <laughs> um, I think Rollins reigns would be a great Money in the Bank match. And then for Cesaro, where he goes from here, I think he's going to be in the Money in the Bank match. Um, but either way, I think this match was fantastic. Again, I was shocked that Cesaro lost. But I understand in the essence of it, with it being a roll-up victory and not like a clean like curb stomp. Because if it was a clean curb stomp, I wouldn't understand it as much, but it was a roll-up. It was a classic heel victory. So I get it, which makes the match even better for me. Yeah, and we'll talk about a, uh, another roll-up a little later. But that's always kind of used as sort of also protecting the person who is getting pinned as well. So, again, you know, they've always had these stop-and-start pushes for Cesaro, and, I'm, you know, I'm not really willing to believe that they're going to push him anytime soon. I mean, unless they, you know, he wins Money in the Bank, then, you know, then we're talking. Um, I, I was the one saying that they should do Seth Rollins and, and Roman Reigns for SummerSlam. I think that would be an awesome main event for there. But thinking about the person that they want to face Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, then, yeah, then I would understand why they wouldn't want him there. But, uh, which, again, we'll talk about a little later. Um, I still think it would blow the roof off the place. The thing is, I really want, just to kind of spoil Raw a little bit, I really want Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston to make an event. I think that'd be great. Um, But, I mean, if Roman Reigns is on the card defending his title, he's probably going to be the main event there. Um. But kind, of, but kind of going back to here, again, I just want to talk, talk about the time that it took. The, the opening match took about 20 minutes, 1945. Seth Rollins, Cesaro, 16 minutes. They went. That is definitely more than their WrestleMania match. I would be, I would, I would be honestly willing to say that I, I like this match a little better than their Mania one. Again, I just like it when there's more time to breathe with there. Were you, you going to say something? Well, I was going to look up uh, how long their uh, WrestleMania match was. Um, I, it was definitely, like, I remember being 10, 11 minutes from what I remember. So, um, let's see. Yeah, it was 11, 27. So, again, they got, they got 11 minutes there. And then, so, I mean, maybe, I'm not saying, you know, that it means anything, but it took Seth Rollins longer to beat Cesaro than Cesaro took to beat Seth Rollins. I'm not saying that really means anything in the grand scheme of things, but just, you know, Cool, cool to mention. Yeah. Uh, but again, good give them like I said it before the WrestleMania match. Give them 15 minutes in a ring and just let them go. 
Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Like, I'm pretty sure Cesaro and Seth Rollins individually could each wrestle a broomstick and it would get like four stars. Because they're just. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree there. Um, and again, they'll probably get that rubber match because they're both tied in one now. So, whenever that will be, there would be legs to do that, you know, get the, the, those rubber matches going. No Whether that be on a SmackDown, I doubt it's going to be on a pay per view, but pr- probably SmackDown. We'll see what happens. Um, watch that. Watch that be one of the qualifying matches on SmackDown for the Money in the Bank. Yeah, that makes sense, but I think they're really going to do Rollins, Reigns, and Money in the Bank because it just wouldn't make sense to have one of your most over baby faces in Cesaro not being the Money in the Bank match. And it feels like Seth Rollins, like he's been, he's picked up this win. He'll probably pick up another win. He'll probably be picking up more wins leading up to uh, Money in the Bank. And we've already seen him, his interactions with Roman Reigns, this current version of Roman Reigns before with the Usos story stuff. So you can advance the Rollins Reigns stuff and the Reigns Usos stuff through that match as well. Right. Just going by the trend of what WWE is doing lately, they're probably going to do a third one. Um, whether that be a qualifying match or just a random match, we'll see. Um, and we'll see if, if, if Rollins goes up against Reigns at Money in the Bank. Like you said, I mean, sign me up. You know, I, I feel like those two in the ring will be amazing. So um, the next match is everybody's favorite. Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler. Um, so we didn't talk about it on the show. And I want to talk about it now, just kind of get it over with. Um, one of the endings to Raw a couple weeks ago was uh, Shayna Baszler appearing on Alexa, Alexa's playground. She called a, Lily a stupid doll. Obviously, that's, that's not good. You shouldn't say that. Um, and she, Alexa Bliss told her to apologize to her, and she just got the doll. She slammed it on the floor. She stomped on its neck. And then, obviously, they set up a match. But uh, Lexa, Shayna Baszler was going backstage, and she was basically getting haunted. And she went into her locker room, and she looked into the mirror, and there was Lily. She turned around, but Lily wasn't there, but she was in the mirror, and she was going crazy. Um, and the show ends with that. I mean, I thought she died, but she didn't die. So then this brought up a whole debate on, on, on the IWC, and we talk about the IWC a lot on this channel. Um, but JP, I want to get your thoughts on that ending and just your thoughts again on Alexa Bliss. Um, cause real quick, we, we saw a tweet that Alexa Bliss did just an hour or two ago. And I just kind I kind of want to pull it up just to kind of quote her specifically kind of a, about the character and pretty much what she's doing right now. And she said it was a picture of her doing like the spider walk at hell in a cell saying they can say what they want, but I'm actually having fun. And I think that's all that matters personally for me. And I think honestly that with this story, whether you like it or not, I feel like she's doing a one hell of a job doing the character. But JP, thoughts on that ending specifically and, and the, you know, the story in itself. I mean, Shana Bays is killing it, man. <laughs> she, she really did knock this out the park in terms of like showing legitimate fear. Um, I think Alexa Bliss is also doing pretty well with this character. I, I'm not repulsively like hating it. I don't even think I hate it. I think I'm kind of enjoying it for what it is. I just don't know what it is about it where I'm just like, oh, 
I'm gonna, I have to watch this, this is the greatest thing ever, because I don't think that's true. But at the same time, it's not like, oh, this sucks. I'm kind of just in the middle, I guess, or kind of just like, oh, okay. It's nothing like repulsively bad, but they're adding on new layers to this character that The Fiend didn't have, which is good, because you don't want to make Alexa Bliss just a carbon copy of The Fiend. Right. My, here, my thing with it, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, I, I don't know what it is, because I feel like the people that are really just bastardly hating this thing are hypocrites. They're the same people that like The Undertaker and The Fiend and, and the Supernatural stuff like that, but won't like this. I'm not saying it's because they're, they hate women, and that she, cause she's a woman, and she's doing it, that means they, they hate it. I'm not saying that. Maybe I am a little bit, but I'm not saying that really. Um, but... I, I can see why people would not dig this. You know, I, I saw, I, I'm trying to remember who tweeted this. I think it was John Alba who kind of talks about uh, wrestling and, and kind of combat sports sometimes. It said, you know, if I was kind of coming back to Raw to see what was up with it, and that's the thing I see, I don't know if I would turn it, I don't know if I, maybe I would turn it off or not. I don't know. It's like, you know, I don't know. Supernatural stuff has been a part of wrestling forever now, you know, and for the AEW people, it's like, the, you know, they're saying, oh, well, we don't have any. I mean, yeah, you do. Uh, Abaddon. Like Ab- for like Abaddon. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so, again, I don't hate it. And to me, it's like, if there's a bright spot with it, again, it's because Alexa Bliss is doing a hell of a job with it. And she's making me sort of want to watch it. But let's just, let's talk about this match. I mean, I feel like a lot of people hate it because of who's being involved as the person like being attacked by Alexa Bliss. I feel like there's a lot of strong feelings about Shayna Baszler, which are well well respected, well granted, because Shayna Baszler is someone who I've also said deserves to be in the main Raw Women's Title picture. I think they've done her character a whole lot, like they've done that character and that wrestler dirty by uh, making her bite Becky Lynch. The first week she was on uh, Raw, which was getting off on the wrong foot. So I think it's a lot, it has a lot to do with Shayna Baszler and less to do with Alexa Bliss, in my opinion. Which again, I understand, but at the same time, like I said, I'm not hating it. I'm not loving it. I'm kind of just, I'm just there. It's, it's not, it's not repulsively bad. Right. I feel like that hate's been there before. Shayna Baszler got involved, but I, the thing why I like it though is that at least she's getting in the ring. We just kind of saw those vignettes every week of Alexa's playground or whatever. And I'm like, is she gonna do some stuff in the ring here? And we'll talk about kind of she, she faced Nia Jax the week before, by the way. Uh, let's talk about this match between Bliss and Baszler. So, um, she can mind control people now. So um, we can't do that. That is true. Unless I miss something, that's. You can't do that. I don't know. Listen, this is what I'm saying. If she can do that, that, that like who gave her those powers? The fiend. I don't or think Lily. I don't think the fiend gave her those powers. I think she got those powers on her own. Because remember how it's like she's what was inside of her was stronger than the fiend. That's always been the thing. So I don't know how she got them. Maybe. It was the darkness. Maybe she was born in the darkness. I was born in the darkness, molded by it. Um, no, but, I, I, but the thing is, that SmackDown that we saw 
where the fiend was interacting with Alexa Bliss before she turned what she was. Again, it, we, we saw this thing where the fiend changes people. You know, we, we know that. So I, I'm willing to believe that, I don't know how, he, I think he gave her the powers, but I feel like ever since that she interacted with Lily, then it started to be extra powerful. Lily versus Ramblin' Rabbit. Book it, Vince. Man, I'm sorry, but Ramblin' Rabbit. That would be a squash match. would die. Yeah, that would be a squash match. Um, so so the, when I was talking about the hypnosis um, during this match, she basically, I mean, the past couple weeks on Raw, she's been kind of doing that with Reginald. She, they've been kind of teasing it with Reginald. Here, though, she basically just mind-controlled. Uh, she kind of puppeteered Nia Jax into slapping Reginald in the face. Um, and we saw that because she did the movements as, as along with Nia Jax. Um, but we saw where Bliss hit a sister at like a variation of her own sister Abigail and then twisted Bliss on 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 Baszler to win it. Um, so she won the match. I can't say it was a bad match. I mean, there was nothing really bad here. You know, it's just kind of like, again, I feel like you're going to look at this, how you look at what the story's been like this whole time. And again, to bring in the CBS Sports recap, and they said nothing about this Bliss character works and this remains a bad use of everyone involved. And um, I, I can agree to disagree with that, you know, but this is definitely the worst match of the night. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, but also, again, this match I'm not saying it's real quick. Like six minutes, so. That, that is true. It really wasn't a long match. But again, I, I feel like the, the, a lot of these matches were really good. You know, like, so again, when you're not going to give too much time with this match, it's probably going to be the worst. Um, but thoughts on this, JP? Thoughts on the match? Thoughts on the hypnosis? You know, thoughts on all that? So I didn't think this would be an actual match. I thought this would be oh. A, a cinematic, or B, a squash. I didn't think this match would last as long as it did. Um, the hypnosis stuff, I mean, wrestling's been asking you to suspend your disbelief for since the beginning of time. Um, I mean, I thought it was funny at first. I'm like, what is she doing here? Oh, she hypnotized her. That's weird. So, I mean, I really don't know what else to say about it other than it was weird for me. I can't say I hated it. Like, this was a bad use of everyone involved. I think Shayna Baszler could be doing a lot better. I think Nia Jax could also be doing a lot better. But I think this is exactly what you wanted for the Alexa Bliss character, for reintroducing this person into, like, saying, like, yeah, this person can actually wrestle. I feel like this was the perfect thing to do. And with the hypnosis, like, again, we've been asked to suspend our disbelief forever now and you know uh, Bleacher Report uh, gave this uh, this match an F and um, said it was hokey supernatural stuff that makes the Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior stuff of 1992 seem cultured <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like a lot of this is due to the fact that Shayna Baszler is involved and again I agree because Shayna could be doing a lot better I think they need to give her a lot better stuff to do but I really don't think what else could you do with the Alexa Bliss character that isn't a carbon copy of the fiend 
I feel like this is a good next step because there's nothing left to do. I mean, adding in the supernatural makes sense. That's exactly what The Fiend was, except Alexa Bliss is stronger. The Fiend never mind controlled anybody. Right. You know, again, when people talking about it, like, I feel like people that are giving it the Fs and, and stuff like that. And again, people can have their own opinions. The, the, no problems for me. I feel like it's like, it's the cool thing to hate it, to hate this sort of storyline, you know? Um, so it is what it is. Again, I don't hate it. I don't love it either. So best to just move on from it. So again, it was whatever. Uh, and again, that was basically the first thing we saw from Raw. You know, we saw the first two matches from SmackDown were bangers, and then we saw that from Raw to start off the show. So take that as you will. Um, now we get Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn back to SmackDown. Again, another banger of a match. Uh, we've been saying this forever now. I think uh, I, I, I tweeted this as well, where it's like the fight forever chant is these two guys. Because every time they're in the ring and they fought like maybe thousands and millions and hum- the umpteenth time they faced off, it's always good. It's always different. I don't know how they do it. I thought this was way better than their WrestleMania match. Why? Because this match went 12 minutes and 40 seconds. The one at WrestleMania went below 10 minutes, which I thought was a, an absolute dreadful thing to do. Uh, we, and I thought this would had a little bit more of a story within it just because this time around we saw how Kevin Owens is still recovering from the Nigerian nail from last Friday. Uh, if you sold that, I mean, that move is going to be protected as hell because, I mean, the fact that he's feeling that effects two days after is like, wow, okay. Um, he's been feeling the effects. But again, it's like Sami Zayn is one of those guys that I put up there with like um, with Cameron Grimes. Where his hit the character is is it's it's funny it's weaselly it's whatever but when he's in the ring I mean I feel like if, if this is your first time getting into wrestling and you see Sami Zayn as this heel character and you watch him in the ring you're like wow this guy's like really damn good uh, and you'll be surprised um, but again we see that in the ring here as well with with Kevin Owens and again it's just like they they have like an amazing chemistry with each other um, and but again. Here, we both got it wrong. We both predicted they have an Owens to win. Um, Sami Zayn won here. And again, it's like, I wish my predictions were were very consistent. I was talking about how with the Cesaro-Rollins match, how they should they always do the, the 50-50 booking with the river match. I should have picked Zayn here because Kevin Owens won the first time, whatever. Um, I thought this was a great one. Um, JP, what did you think of this one? I honestly think this match was better than their Mania one. And I think it was more physical. It had more of a story, like you said, and it also didn't involve a Paul brother. What I love about these Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn matches, why they say fight forever, is because they keep making different spots. You don't see the same spots in every Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match. You might see the same moves, but they're in a different order. Like, I can't remember what spot it was where um, I think Sami hit like a Michinoku driver or something. And Everything just looks so crisp and physical. Kevin Owens is amazing at selling and making you feel for him. I think that's one thing that he does extremely well. Uh, Sami Zayn, I actually thought it was kind of interesting. He was on the bump, I think, uh, earlier today. And he said, um, 
because they talked about Becky Lynch saying, where's the old Sami Zayn in NXT? And Sami was like, he's, he's still here. He's always been known to fight for what's right. And this is the perfect, like, heel version of fighting for what's right. You, you turn delusional. So I love, I, I love every Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match. They could fight forever and ever and ever. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, in terms of where they go from here, I think Kevin Owens is going to go to Raw. And I think Sami Zayn stays on SmackDown. Just they have to get them away from each other. Or what I think could happen is Sami will get another win and, and Kevin Owens will kind of uh, see the light, I guess, and team up with Sami Zayn. I don't think they should go that route. I think Kevin Owens being on Raw would give them another main roster, like main title superstar. But once again, these guys deliver on every match they're in. I, I don't know what we expected. They're another one of those. You put them in a broomstick in a ring and give them 15 minutes and they'll give you a four-star match. Completely agree. Um, and, it, you know, I want them to be tag team champions. I just want to see it at least once. So I, I didn't even think – I thought it would be like Sami Zayn turning face and then – turning back face and they'd be like that but you saying that kevin owens sees the light that would be that would be hilarious um but we'll see i mean we'll see where that goes i i think they said that they're gonna have a draft post SummerSlam. that's kind of what they're aiming towards so we'll see where that goes um but it seems like this won't be the last match between these two again that whole 50 50 thing and then the third match kind of decides it all we'll see but kind of interesting but think about it. You could save Rollins Reigns for SummerSlam if the Cena thing falls through. And you could do Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at main at the bank. Now I understand the two heel thing would be weird. Yeah. Makes sense because Sami Zayn is a conspiracy theory guy. He could believe that Roman Reigns is always like he, there's a conspiracy theory behind Roman Reigns somehow adding all these people, getting the Usos back at this time and consolidating all the power on SmackDown, like saying like Adam Pierce doesn't even like actually run SmackDown anymore. And it's Sami Zayn's job to be the liberator, to free SmackDown from Roman Reigns. And again, I just want to see Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. That's really, that's really it. I feel like you get a lot of cool spots there and you see Sami Zayn kind of revert a little bit to the ultimate underdog role because he is the ultimate underdog when it comes to fighting Roman Reigns. I just think that'd be pretty fun. I doubt it's going to happen, though. I, I I can't lie and say that I don't want it to happen, but I, I just feel like if they're going to do that, same as it has to be face. I don't know. I, the whole heel-heel thing, it's like with Roman Reigns, I just I just can't see it personally. I want to see it, though. So, I mean, but um, we'll, see, we'll, see, we'll see where that goes. Um, moving on, Raw Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, we were talking about Bianca Belair and how she's been, I would think, a really good champion so far. She's been guns blazing on the main roster. She's been great. Rhea Ripley, she wins the title at WrestleMania against Asuka. Good match. Um, I need to ask you this before we get to the match, JP. Is there something different with this Rhea Ripley that you're seeing here? Because for some reason, I'm watching Rhea Ripley on Raw. I don't hate it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, I don't know why, but there's something wrong here and I can't put my finger on it. What do you, what do you, what do you think the reason is? First of all, what's your thoughts? 
I feel like this title run for Rhea Ripley's, uh, it was hampered a little bit by the repeated Oscar matches. Um, it's been hampered by only having two people in the title picture. I do agree that it's been a little different. And I think the main reason is she's not on NXT anymore. Like NXT, like it's the same character, but the different there are different people writing. So I feel like that difference manifests in her character. So it's a little less like everything's a little less impactful. But the matches themselves haven't been terrible. I think they've all been average to very good. Like this match with Charlotte Flair was very good. But I think they just need, she just needs one more like real solid feud to kind of put it back on that, uh, give her some momentum. Completely agree, and and you and you kind of mentioned a little bit about this match here. Um, I thought that I thought this match was fantastic. I I thought it could have been a, a contender for match of the night if it wasn't for the finish, and we'll talk about it a little bit. We're, and we were again. I I kind of hinted during the the Bailey Belair one that we I think Bailey is a great first opponent or first feud in in Belair's title reign. I don't know if Flair is a good first kind of rivalry for for ripley and the reason being is because of this finish wwe they cannot stomach the fact of flair getting pinned in the ring it can't happen for them and it seems like that since i've started kind of back since i came back to wrestling i haven't seen it (laughs) i haven't seen it um and I, from what I've heard is, you know, they, they kind of, you know, she's obviously that really protected person here. But with this match, so here, here we'll just get, kind of get to the ending and, and we'll show what we're talking about here. Uh, once again, I thought that these, I, I think that the, the chemistry between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley is so much better than with Asuka. Even though I feel like the last match, that the fifth match that Asuka had with Rhea Ripley was good. If it's your fifth match, it should be better. Um, but I thought it was much better this time around. Um, and a lot of great spots here when it de- dealt with the riptide. When Flair hit the natural selection, I thought it was over, uh, but Ripley kicked out. So I'm like, okay, good. Um, because again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Flair won this. Um, but we get to the ending here, and they kind of go to the outside because um, Ripley kind of got out of the figure four leg locks. She pulled herself to, to the floor. But then she disqualified herself by hitting um, Flair with the top of the commentary table. She got disqualified, which questions too, because I we've seen people use that in a regular match and they don't get disqualified. I guess they don't throw it at them, I guess. But uh, she gets disqualified like that and she leaves the ring and she's like raising the title, whatever. And she says, that's something you would have done to Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte Flair is... Uh, You've, you're learning, bitch. She, that's what she said. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll say my thoughts on it already. I, I kind of did a little bit. I mean, thoughts on, if you want to talk about the match, go for it. But really, that ending, what did you think of that? You echoed everything I was going to say about the match. I think it was fantastic. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte are perfect opponents because they're both taller, stronger, and their offense just meshes so well. The finish... I hate doing this, but I kind I kind of understand it. 
I understand it because the entire feud has been built around Charlotte saying Rhea doesn't have that edge to her that'll, that'll make her a long-term champion. She doesn't have it, but Charlotte does because Charlotte plays dirty. That's been the thing. Charlotte's always playing dirty. So Rhea Ripley using Charlotte's playing dirty against her to retain the title, it makes sense story-wise. Now, I understand the whole thing with throwing the, th- the announce table stuff at her and then automatically disqualifying. But I remember a thread. I think one of the, uh, either Bryce Roomsburg or, um, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. She's the best AEW ref. Aubrey Edwards? Yeah, Aubrey Edwards. I think this was around one of those other like odd finishes that uh, AEW had. And they essentially said like DQs and like disqualifications are refs discretion. So if a ref is a little more lenient, it's like a referee in basketball. Some fouls won't be called with one ref. Some fouls will be. A disqualification could be different for any different kind of ref that's in the match. Maybe this ref was a bit harder on a disqualification. I know it sounds like I'm being an apologist, but I guess I just thought of that when I saw all the uproar about it. I'm just like, ref discretion. It makes sense. And this advances the story. And I think it advances the Rhea Ripley character because I think everybody wants to be, I don't want to say it like that, but Charlotte is the measuring stick for the women's division. If you want to get to where Charlotte is, sometimes you have to be Charlotte in terms of playing dirty. Rhea Ripley did that. Now she's champion. I just don't think it's worked a bit. Like it's failed a little bit because they're both heels. Like, see, see that's see, this is where now I'm going to question it. Is she a heel? I didn't see that she's a heel. Here's the, here's the thing I want to say because I actually don't disagree with you about the first part. The ref thing, I don't buy. But the first thing, you saying, like, you know, she's trying to get the edge by using her own tactics. I didn't hate that. I think I put that on Twitter after the match. I'm like, it kind of makes sense, you know? So I don't hate it. Um, and we'll talk about Raw and what's going to happen in the future. But to me, I don't think Rhea Ripley's a heel, personally. I feel like I, – I don't even feel like she's a face either. I feel like she's like she's like Deadpool. She's just like an antihero she's sort in- of thing. She's in between. She's never really... But the thing is, like, the whole thing with Nikki Cross, Rhea Ripley said, oh, I respect Nikki Cross, and Flair's just like, nah, she sucks. Um, so, if there's... I don't think it really is a heel-heel thing. Um, but I don't disagree with you about the part about sort of the understanding thing. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't even call it a horrible finish either. It kind of makes sense, you know? But I, I just hate it, personally, when the match is just so damn good, and then it ends like that. That's kind of where I get the problem here because I thought they were putting on, on honestly a match of the night, but then they, they, it ends like, excuse me, it ends like that. So, um, again, you know, it, it is what it is. And the thing with me is like, maybe eventually we'll see Rhea Ripley pin Charlotte Flair, but hell, I don't think it happens at Money in the Bank either. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and we'll talk about Raw and, and what happens there. But again, uh, I thought it was great. It just the ending was maybe a little bit questionable. And I feel like we'll talk about another ending that was questionable later as well. 
But I um, think in the future, they're probably going to have another match. I think Rhea Ripley will win that next match, but she's going to pull more Charlotte tactics. Like, she'll, I think right now she's transitioning to being a full heel because she's starting to be more like Charlotte. I think Charlotte will eventually go to SmackDown so you can get Charlotte versus Bianca Belair at SummerSlam and then Rhea Ripley versus whoever you want. Who else? Who's on Raw? Who's who's left? It's Rhea Ripley versus who's left? Oscar again. No. Wait, 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 wait. This is tinfoil putting on the tinfoil hat. Oh, I know. If she comes back. I think I know you're talking about because I was going to say her. The man. Is she coming back? Becky Lynch comes back. She goes to Raw. Charlotte goes to SmackDown. You can keep Becky Lynch and Charlotte away from each other. And then you have Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley. But this we'll, time, we'll see. Rhea Ripley is a full heel. Because I feel like hey. she was a full heel against Asuka in a way. But now she? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, again, you know, I feel like her character has been an I don't know, because I feel like she's done more babyface tactics it's, besides this match. Again, showing the respect to Nikki Cross, uh, even though she's still you know full of herself, like she she should be. Um, I feel like she's done more stuff, but like I feel like when she comes to the ring, the crowd noise that they input in is never like an, an arousing cheer. It's always kind of like in the middle. I don't know. It's weird, um, but we'll see what happens. And again, just to kind of talk about it. We'll talk about Raw. They're gonna have another match. We'll talk about the whole segment they had. Um, next match, the the main event. Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre inside of a Hell in a Cell for the WWE Championship. Um, I think we talked about this on Twitter, the Hell in a Cell stipulation with this feud. Uh, I don't hate the stipulation with this feud. I feel like Bobby Lashley, arguably, I feel like this Bobby Lashley has been Drew McIntyre's best rival on for his, for, for the, in this title reign. Because pretty much the only person you could talk about yeah, maybe Sheamus actually, but Sheamus is right. Maybe Sheamus, but really, when it was for the title, let's say, because it's either him or Randy Orton, and I didn't hate, I actually like the Randy Orton thing, but I feel like they've been putting on some great stuff. They had that one match of WrestleMania backlash last year. They had the WrestleMania match. I thought was good. I thought the Triple Threat with those two and Redacted was good, and from I mean Braun Strowman, you know, uh, and then. Listen, I, I thought this this was match of the night. Yeah, I thought this bangs. I thought this bangs so hard, personally, um, and I feel like that the Hell in a Cell stipulation was very much used in this part. I loved it. These two are great in the wing. They went at war. It was a war. That was the one thing. Is like these two is intensity in the ring is great. Bobby Lashley has been a great champion, and Drew McIntyre has been an awesome opponent for him. Uh, and once again, got we had we got a lot of these really interesting innovative spots here um where we saw just two these two guys get just put to the broom with each other um my favorite my favorite part is when he got mvp involved when mvp was outside by like giving him like a candlestick and like trapping mcintyre in the corner and he was just beating him with with his cane i thought that was great um i think the way he entered the ring entered the cell was super creative like they're finding different ways to make the big meaty men slapping meat match 
even better. Because this is your quintessential, like, this is the perfect big meaty man slapping meat match. It was amazing. And they put each other through tables, kendo sticks, through a cell. It was awesome. And I think the heel rolled up makes sense. See, that's what that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, let's just talk about it now, but, and, then we'll, and then we'll talk about a little bit about the match. So that's the way the match ends, which is uh, he was setting up a... So McIntyre counters a spear and hits another Future Shock DDT. He went for a Claymore. MVP, who is still in the ring, which when he saw him in the ring, he was attacking him, which is great. Um, he grabbed his leg. And then once he was paying attention to that, Lashley rolled him up for the win. So, this is where I will talk about it, this, this finish. In a Hell in a Cell match, a roll-up is, is, is not the greatest for me. You know, it's better than Seth Rollins and The Fiend, where they got to call the match off because it's too violent inside Hell in a Cell. It's better than that. Don't get me wrong. And I don't really hate it. Because it if it's a face doing that, then that would be kind of weird, but it's a heel doing that. So, I guess I can bear with it. It was a finish. We can say it was a conclusive finish. We didn't there have two in a hell right. of a cell match. The it's ref did count one, two, three. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, I can't let that overshadow because the rest of the match was really that great. It really was. Is it one of my favorite matches of the year? Uh, I don't know if it's top five, but it's definitely maybe in that list. I had to look back at it. It was definitely really great. I thought it was one of the better uh, kind of pay-per-view main events. I thought it was, I thought it was that good. So what, what happens here now is that Mac, McIntyre can't compete for the title now with Lashley as the champion. That was kind of the other stipulation with that. We'll see if that remains true. We'll talk about Raw. Um, so, but again, I, I thought it was great. And again, having Lashley retain was great here. I'm glad he didn't lose the title. I think he should have the title for much longer. We'll see if he faces the one guy he, everybody wants him to face. I, we, I set myself up for irrational excitement. So I was like, hey, you know, there's got to be a reason they moved Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio off of the card oh, yeah. and made this the main event. What if it's Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar shows up after the match and beats up Bobby Lashley. This could be a thing that I'd really enjoy. And then I'm just waiting at the end. I'm like, waiting. I'm like, okay, where is he? Where's the music? Where's the music? Show goes off. Oh, man. <laughs> it, was still, it was still a good match, though. I think um, Drew McIntyre is arguably, well, not arguably, he's the best, he's the biggest male babyface that the WWE has now. I think he's one of the best booked babyfaces WWE has had in a long time. And now he's going to lengths of insanity trying to get the title back. Um, I do think that uh, there's there should be a legitimate, like, you know how Cody Rhodes has, he can't compete for the uh, AEW world title ever again. I think this should be a legitimate thing for at least a year or something, which would then send Drew McIntyre to SmackDown. And then we get what everybody wants. Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Biggest face, biggest heel. That's what everybody wants. Um, as for Bobby Lashley, I'm excited. We're going to talk about who he's facing next later, but I'm excited for all of this. I think their match, uh, Bobby versus Drew was match of the night for me. It was physical, violent, and creative. 
in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, and again, we will talk about his next feud and what possibly could be a feud after, as a report came out today. But um, once again, it ends. It ends the night. And by the way, you, you, I I remember you were texting me like, "Oh, Brock Lesnar's going to come out," or I think you you might have also mentioned like maybe Becky Lynch will make her return today or whatever. Excuse me. And I'm like, all right, here, here I I've seen this millions of times with people. I remember when one division came out. Oh my God, who's gonna appear at the end? It was no one. You know, um, that's that's how wrestling fans are. Um, but failure. <laughs> there you go. So when it comes to the kind of the Thunderdome era pay per views, I think that could be a whole episode in in its entirety, talking about like ranking all of the the Thunderdome pay per views, and we'll and, and why not? That's actually an idea I just came up with. It will maybe do it. we'll do. We'll do Let's it. do it. Um, but I would definitely say that this is because I heard someone say again one of the guys that responded to our tweets. Um, again, you, you can have your own opinion. That, uh, you know, it's all subjective. Saying that this was probably the, I think he said the worst paper of the year. I don't think it was the Thunderdome of the year, along with Fastlane. I I, I thought this paper was pretty damn good. You know, uh, and again another dirty V pay per view where maybe some of the setups have been a little shaky, but the matches in the at the end were just amazing. So I think this is one of the examples. Um, so that's it for Hell in a Cell. So let's look at the predictions and see who won. So uh, I think the, we, we agreed on every single match besides Seth Rollins and Cesaro. Meaning that I won. So, um, but he did win NXT TakeOver in your house. So, so I kind of got that win back sort of thing. We're even. Yeah, but I think because I think every time before that we tied except for the WrestleMania week thing. So, um, there, there we go. Thanks. So, oh, oh yeah. See, I, I, what sucks is, and I, and I did. I, I pulled a JP from WrestleMania. I, we didn't talk about it yet. I I was like, oh, maybe Carrie Cross, and I'm like, no, I'll go Kyle O'Reilly. My dumbass saying that. Ah, it's long term booking. <laughs> I should have been carrying across. Um, but we'll talk about in your house a little bit because we, I, I, I feel like I need to talk about that, that fatal five ways for a couple minutes. Uh, but we'll get, let's get to Raw now and talk about the day after, uh, the day, the day after Hell in a Cell and talk what happened here. So there's going to be qualifying matchups for Money in the Bank. Three men's matches, and there's there's two women's tag team matches, and we'll talk about it. So what happens first off is obviously uh, Bobby Lashley coming to the ring, celebrating again with with his lady friends and MVP. Bobby, La- as JP likes to say, he's the goat because he's oh, man. definitely the you goat. Go. And who joins the party is the New Day for a toast. They brought toast. <laughs> they they brought toast. <laughs> Um, so, and he said that, you know, basically Kingston said, like, you know, my win over you last month should make me the number one contender for the title. And he played the footage just to rub it in his face and stuff like that. Um, and they, they said other things, but I'm kind of briefing it. Lashley accepted the challenge to the, to, to MVPs, like who really didn't want him to accepted the challenge, but he says, but because of that, I'm going to face Xavier Woods tonight. And he looks up and what's there still it's the Hell in a Cell. 
I'm going to face Xavier Woods in Hell in a Cell match, um, which that kind of blew my mind because we're seeing a Hell in a Cell match on Monday Night Raw. We just saw one on SmackDown, and now we're, we saw – so we saw in the span from Friday to Monday, we've seen four Hell in a Cell matches, one on SmackDown, two on the pay-per-view, and then one on Raw. I don't see a problem with it. I love Hell in a Cell matches. That's why I was yelling to sell. I love Hell in a Cell. <laughs> I, I, I would think I would think that Hell in a Cell personally is one of my favorite stipulations, so I, I can't disagree there. But let me ask you a question, JP, and, and I'll just ask it now, because now this is on Monday Night Raw. It's like Oprah Winfrey. You get a Hell in a Cell match. You get a Hell in a Cell match. You get a Hell in a Cell match. Do you think it ruins sort of the Hell in a Cell stipulation? Because it's always it's either saved or for this time, it's always saved for that one feud every year. But now it's like, okay, I just feel like I put this on Twitter saying the people who are, who were supposed to take it down, they got lazy and they didn't want to do it. So they said, I might as well use it one more time. Um, I think Lily liked the cell. So they just left it up. Oh my God. So what do you think about that? JP? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I understand. I think I kind of agree to an extent, but I think a lot of it has to do with, the writing and the story that's being told. If you can tell a story good enough to where you can get a hell in a cell or you can get a match quality that's really good inside hell in a cell, then it works. I think Roman Reigns or Rey Mysterio was, the story was deserving of hell in a cell. I mean, Ray was incensed that, uh, Roman Reigns sent Dominic to see his father, Eddie Guerrero. Um, so, of course, it'd be an Hell in a Cell. Bobby Lashley has always been the, I'll accept every challenge. I will fight everyone, like you said, to MVPs, like, disagreement. So, of course, when Xavier Woods challenges him to a Hell in a Cell match, he would automatically accept because he's Bobby Lashley. He's that dude. He can fight anyone and beat anyone. It just makes sense to me. I do think they need to return Hell in a Cell to just a gimmick match instead of an entire pay-per-view. That's where I think I disagree with stuff just because you can make it, you can have it more often with certain feuds. Like, it's not like, oh, we got to wait till June 20th or June yeah, June 20th to fight in a cell because that's when Hell in a Cell is. You can use it as a gimmick. And you can have, and that gives you a lot more freedom for different matches and for different quality matches on different cards. So I get it. I think the stories this past weekend have deserved it, deservedly been, deserve a Hell in a Cell. I just think the gimmick, it needs to be a gimmick match instead of an entire pay-per-view. Right. Uh, I, I mostly agree there. And we'll talk about the match that's the main event later tonight, and we'll, we'll talk about it as well. Uh, now, talk about a little bit about the title match. It's going to be Kingston and, and Lashley and Money in the Bank. I mean, I think it's honestly the perfect feud to kind of have before SummerSlam, whatever the big match will be. If, if it is Brock Lesnar, who the hell knows? Um, I think it'll be a. I think it's going to be a banger. I, I I don't see how it could not be. I think Kingston deserves another title match. Again, he's probably going to lose. I, there's, no, there's no doubt, uh, even though that would be the, a huge swerve, Kofi Mania too. Uh, but 
I'm trying to think about about this because I I was seeing people kind of debate this and if it if it is or it isn't. I was if it does main event. I'm trying to think if that'll be the first uh, main event to feature a title match to have two black men. But I'm I'm remembering The Rock and Booker T. But I don't know if they main evented they didn't SummerSlam. Main event. They didn't main event. Okay, so that'll be the first time. That it, it was SummerSlam, 2002. I'm just trying to remember if they main evented that show. Let's, let's um, we'll look it up. SummerSlam 2002. Yeah. Actually, you know what they? I I tell you what. I think they did, but that was technically for the WCW title. This is for the WWE title. I'm 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 thinking that's actually. Let's see. Um, I think it was SummerSlam. So the main event, SummerSlam 2002. Okay, I don't think that was Rock Booker T. Because 2002 oh. was Brock beating The Rock. Okay, the year before. 2000, look, at the year before. Look, look it up. SummerSlam 2001. It was 2001. That means it was 2001. For sure. Let's see. Uh... So, yes, it was The Rock versus Booker T in the main event. But for the WCW title. The WCW title. So this would be for the first time for the WWE title, for sure. So there you go. So more history to be made. We'll see, though, because, again, if I mean, I'm going to guess that for the first pay-per-view back, they're going to have a Roman Reigns match. So we'll see if that's going to make it. If it is Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, I feel like that they're going to have to make event that. So... Uh, but we'll see. So that's so that's the first match. So there's going to be three qualifying matchups for the men's side. The first one is AJ Styles versus Ricochet. The second one is Randy Orton versus John Morrison. The third one is um, Drew McIntyre versus Riddle. So the first one is Styles and Ricochet. And before that, we kind of saw how Styles and, and Omos were kind of, you know, talking about talking about like the Viking Raiders and the Viking Raiders came out. AJ Styles slapped the turkey leg out of Ivar's hands. And when that happened, I'm like, he's going to lose this match. So we get AJ Styles and Ricochet and just as expected, a pretty solid match between the two. I, that's why I kind of like when they announced these three qualifying matchups, like, okay, this might be a really good raw because we're going to get some bangers. So, and we got one pr- pretty much here to start off. It was, it was an awesome match here. Uh, pretty good one for television. And like, and like pretty much we all th- thought it was going to happen. Uh, excuse me, we saw an interference for the Viking Raiders. And Omos kind of cleaned them. You know, he, he was basically kind of like destroying them, but then uh, he was kind of charging at them and the Viking Raiders like threw him for the barricade. And then um, basically, since Styles was kind of interfered from that, uh, it pretty much set up Ricochet to get him for the win. So Ricochet is in the match. And I feel like this was expected. I put this on Twitter. Who else is going to do the high-flying spots in the Money in the Bank match? It has to be Ricochet's in there. So, JP, thoughts on the match? Thoughts on Ricochet being in the Money in the Bank match? This is a great match. Um, it's not a match we haven't seen before. I feel like if you give them more time, they'll act, they'll blow it out the water. But even still, this is a great match. The Viking Raiders interfering made sense. They're going to have a tag title match at Money in the Bank probably. But Ricochet made the most sense winning. Like, it wouldn't make sense for the tag team when half the tag team champions being Money in the Bank. And to my knowledge, this is only the second Money in the Bank Ricochet is in, has ever been in. Might have been, might be the first. But it's good to get new blood on the pay-per-view card. 
new blood in the money in the bank event, which is really weird considering Ricochet like has traveled all over the world, but for a lot the mainstream fan, this might be the first time they're seeing him in Money in the Bank in a ladder match. I think it made it makes so much sense for him to be in the match. Of course, like I said, if he gives me a 6:30 off the top of the ladder, I'm all for it. It was it would be amazing. But the match itself was great. The interferences made sense. The winner was the winner made a lot of sense. Completely agree. And again, we'll talk about I, I feel like that all the qualifying matches had the right winner. And we'll talk about the rest of those matches and we'll talk about what they're doing with the losers as well. So uh, again, good match, sets up stuff. So now for the women's side, they're having their own qualifying matches, but in a tag team match, meaning that the winner of the tag team, the two people in the tag team go on to the to the Money in the Bank match. This time it's Asuka and Naomi versus Eva Marie and her partner, as they talked about. We didn't talk about Eva Marie last week, but obviously she, uh, I think she was supposed to face Naomi. And then Piper Niven, who was basically with her, uh, she kind of went in, defeated her, and then um, Eva Marie said that she won. So they have a little bit of a, a backstage thing where uh, she was kind of introducing her partner, and she was about to say her name, Piper Niven, and she, she started by saying the P, Eva Marie kind of cut her off, and she's saying she was trying to figure out a name for her, and it's you saw Piper Nevin sort of like mouth Piper Nevin, but she said her name is Dewdrop, D O U D R O P, Dewdrop. I have never heard of that. I don't know what the hell that means. So I mean that's her name, uh, you know. But before we get to the match, you know, I and she looked disgusted when she when she heard that name. I want to talk about that real quick because obviously when we heard that Dewdrop was going to be used for her, people were like, oh, that is terrible. That's awful. I can't really disagree with it. But seeing how she doesn't like it and how she's not really a fan of what's going on here, I feel like I, I like that. I feel like we're heading towards, it's not like she's like going by everything she says. It's like my name is, and hopefully down the line, because it seems like the eventual turn is going to happen pretty sooner that she's going to say her name is Piper Niven. And I think that's great. Thoughts on that, JP, first of all? I mean, the name sucks. I'm, that's I'm, a point, right? Yeah, but it makes sense within the story for the name to suck. Of course, Piper Niven don't like that name. It's not the name she came up with. Um, Eva Marie coming up with that ma- name makes sense, and it will lead to an eventual split over that name. So, of course, the name is terrible. They're going to eventually drop it, but within the story, within the characters, it makes sense. And that's really all you can ask for from Monday Night Raw. just makes sense. And that's the thing, right? I saw Fightful Wrestling, their Twitter account, kind of say like, oh, so so Piper Niven's not really in on the joke or whatever. Uh, it's just kind of for her to be mad at. Still a terrible name, though. That's the, that's the point. <laughs> I think that's the point now, and I actually like that. You know, I like the how Eva Marie's trying to control her or whatever. I think it's fine. So, again, it's the point that it's a terrible name, which, I, you know, I guess it wasn't hard for them because it seemed like they had terrible names for other people before. Like, um, and it's funny because I, I, I forgot it was T-Bar or Mace that tweeted it, but they said, welcome to the all caps family, do drop, because it's, it's an all caps. Um, good stuff there. So they had a tag match. And, again, I, I feel like Piper Niven looks pretty impressive in her matches. She, she looked impressive here. 
Um, just kind of cutting to the A here, though, we saw kind of Eva Marie sort of like tagging herself in, tagging her in when she didn't want to. Um, and it, especially at the end, we saw uh, Piper. I mean, I'm just going to call her Piper Niven. I hope that's okay with people. I'm not going to call her Dewdrop, okay? Uh, Piper Niven, uh, she had Naomi in, in a position. Eva tagged herself in uh, and thought that it was over. She made the two count. It was a two count. She tried to tag back at her in, but she refused and dropped from the apron, which which had Naomi roll up Eva for the win. So Naomi and um and Oscar are in the Monday Bank match, and yeah, I mean it wasn't a great match, but it was fine. Um, and it seems like we're about to already about to see Piper Piper Niv and even re split up. Thoughts on the match, Shifty? It served its purpose, and the right team won. The story advanced with. Uh, Eva Marie and Dewdrop and Piper Niven. And again, I think they couldn't go with Eve Marie and Piper Niven and Money and Money in the Bank as soon as they get there. I think Eva Marie and the Money in the Bank match would be a very big risk in terms of like she just got there. And then Piper Niven, she's a great wrestler, but again, she just got to the main roster. Um, having Naomi and Asuka in it just gives some veteran experience within the match. And you know how long we've been wanting Naomi to have a Raw women's title run or just a women's title run? People are going to get behind her because she's great. So it really, it just makes sense, which is, again, all you can ask for from Raw stuff to make sense yeah and and just kind of spoiler alert you know excuse me i this, this raw was way better than a lot of ones i i feel like this is actually not a bad episode of raw um moving on we get our second men's qualifier match Randy Orton, john morrison once again um what you expect they had a really good match beforehand i want to talk about though we saw riddle um ask randy orton about some tips involving um Money in the Bank. He also said he can't wait to win Money in the Bank because he's going to keep his stash in the briefcase. And Randy Orton says, stash? Stash for what? And he says, a Whoppers, bro. Whatever. Uh, because he'll get it. It's another weed joke. So, um... I thought he was kind of mustache. So, he asked, um... He asked Randy Orton about any tips or whatever, and Randy Orton says just to stay out of his way. Whatever. Um, so... We saw, you know, as as JP likes to be likes to call him, Johnny Drip Drip, go up against Randy Orton, <laughs> and uh, again, I, I, they they have a really awesome match. Miz is at commentary; he's hilarious on commentary. Um, and then we saw basically John Morrison started calling out to Orton's need to cut cut him down. He be, or began to build momentum. He hit the draping DDT. Um, but we also saw Riddle, he, he came out, he rode his scooter down, and he chases Miz in a wheelchair. That's a very hilarious image of Riddle and a scooter chasing Miz in a wheelchair. Um, at one point, we also saw Miz use, I, again, I'm forced to say this, JP, I'm not saying this because I, I, I want you to hear it. He used his the drip stick at, in Randy, Randy, Randy Orton, and... Uh, it allowed Morrison to hit Starship Pain for the win. So John Morrison is in the Money of the Bank match. Again, I think that I feel like the, the right person won here. You know, 
I don't think people want to see Randy Orton in the Money in the Bank match. You know, maybe they do. I don't know if I do. Um, I don't think he really needs it. But uh, Morrison wins here. JP, thoughts on the match itself? Again, by the way, I thought it was a really good match. Thoughts on the match? Thoughts on the use of the word drip? So I thought this was a really good match. I thought it was, again, it made sense for the guy. Again, if you have John Morrison on your roster and don't put him in a ladder match, you're doing something wrong. The man literally does parkour. Like, I want to see John Morrison and Ricochet do competing, like compete to see who can do the sickest spot off the ladder. That's really all. That's really what we came here for. I don't think they're going to win, but that's what, that's what they're here for. Um, this advances the story of RK Bro in a really good way with Matt Riddle inadvertently getting in the way and not doing it on purpose. I think that's a big thing here. He didn't do it on purpose. Um, I never want to hear the word drip in wrestling again <laughs> in my life. It is please retire the drip stick. It just, I'm not going to lie though. The Miz rolling around in the wheelchair, getting away from Matt Riddle on the scooter was the funniest thing I saw on Raw. Like, I hope somebody has that video or GIF of him, like, rolling away off of that <laughs> riddle, like, chasing down on the scooter. Because that was amazing. I'm really, I'm really loving how, what Riddle and Randy Orton are doing. And I can't wait to see what happens. Because with the way that Raw is gone, the story is advancing to the point where there could be some dissension. You know me, I love me some arcade, bro. You know, I've been saying this since the beginning. So I'm a huge fan. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about later what happens with the these two. But basically, you can say that maybe Riddle was due to Randy Orton losing. We'll see. Uh, before we get to the other qualifying matches, let's just talk a little bit about Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Adam Adam Pierce, and Sonya Deville in the ring. They're, they're asking Rhea Ripley to come out. What she did was unacceptable, according to them. And Rhea Ripley just basically says, like, you know, like, you know, she would have done the same thing. I'm the champion. I, I retain my title at the end of the day. That's all that matters. Flair comes out and basically says, like, you know, I, I, I'm not really mad at you. I'm kind of proud of you. Whatever. Um, eventually, Adam Pearson and Davila basically say they're going to have another match at Money in the Bank, you know, and there won't be any of that nonsense happening. And that's just kind of it. They do a rematch. I thought it would have been more interesting to say, like, you know, if you don't want that to happen, just say it's a notice qualification match or something. Give it a stipulation. Um, I, what's going to stop her from the, from not doing it again? That's my question. Just make it a no DQ. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the next in, in the next coming weeks we see a stipulation there. But, I mean, I'm not mad. I mean, if we saw – if we get the match, we got a hell in the cell or even better. I can't really complain. I thought it was great. JP – so, I mean, thoughts on that? Thoughts on another match between those two and Money in the Bank? Again, it advances the story. We're going to see Rhea Ripley doing more dirty heel stuff like Charlotte. That's been the entire thing. She's being like Charlotte. So this advances the story perfectly, and it sets up, again, I'm tinfoil hatting. This is probably not going to happen. It's setting up for the one person who's consistently beaten Charlotte to be the person to be the person to beat Rhea Ripley, who's constantly being like Charlotte, Becky Lynch. Like, if there's one person Charlotte hasn't figured out how to beat, it's Becky Lynch. 
that it just makes sense from an outsider perspective. So I'm excited to see where they go with this. Right. Again, you know, I, again, I just feel like Raw, Raw was kind of like pretty good. I feel like they've had some nonsensical stuff happen on the episodes and this stuff is like they're actually, like you said, progressing the story and doing some, some sensible stuff. Um, now let's go to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Stuff. Yeah, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. So Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, they come in the ring, whatever. <laughs> um, Alexa Bliss comes out. She has a new theme song. I like it. I, I like it. I dig it. You know, not bad. I need to hear more. Um, and then we see Nikki Cross in Gorilla <laughs> sort of talk about her new look. She's a superhero. She has the the mask. She has a cape. It's a butterfly out on her chest. Uh, she's a superhero. I don't think I don't think she had like a name. It was like Super Cross or Super Nikki or whatever. It was just Nikki Cross for, for that time. So um, obviously, with that, people were talking on the IWC about the superhero look, and you know, um, I hope Mighty Molly's happy. That's kind of what I thought about it. Uh, again, you know. I don't know. I, I don't hate it, you know, but again, what I will say, I hated how people were shitting on it. And then they realized, oh, wait, it was Nikki Cross's idea. I love it. No, keep the same energy. If you hate it, you hate it. If you like it, you like it. I'm, again, I, I feel like just like with Alexa Bliss, I'm kind of in the middle, you know? I mean, it's fun. I mean, I support her. I mean, do what you do. I, I really didn't see anything that would make me hate it. She's a superhero, whatever. JP, thoughts on that before we get to the match? So, I was one of the people who initially hated it. Did you? What in the hell does she have on? The mask was bad. That the mask was bad. What is happening here? But then I saw her like wrestle and the mannerisms. And I'm like, oh, this is the hurricane. She's female hurricane. I don't I don't have a problem with it. And she got the hurricane's blessing. Uh he went on the Twitter and said, like, yes, he's worked with her on the gimmick. I think it's fun. It's a different character than what we're seeing on Raw. And it makes sense to be paired with Alexa Bliss. When you think about it, good versus evil. We're not going to see anything coming from that. They're just going to be in the Money in the Bank match. But I, I like it. I do. It might be the superhero, like, nerd or child in me. But... I like it. Yeah, you know, and I again, I just feel like if you like the hurricane and you don't like this, you're not being consistent. What's the difference? Like what what's the difference here? I don't I don't really see a difference. She kind of has the same sort of like background as the hurricane, like, you know, she thinks she's a superhero sort of thing and stuff like that. If she does the whole thing where she's like a a reporter, like that's her alter ego. I'll be very happy. I think it'll be amazing to watch. Kind of, kind of what the hurricane did. So, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, so then again, they have the match and they win. Nikki Cross and, and Alexa Bliss. Uh, again, we see sort of uh, let's let's uh, uh, say, say Alexa Cross, uh, Nikki Cross, kind of do the superhero stuff. The cross bodies at the top rope. She did the whole thing. Um, but basically, at the end, a miscommunication led to Jax dropping off the apron. Alexa Bliss made 
Reggie almost slapped Jackson in the face. Again, the whole hypnosis thing. While Cross took advantage of the situation, roll up Baszler for the win. They're in the money to make the match. Fine match, whatever. Uh, JP, thoughts on it if you haven't already? Um, Solid. It continues to develop Alexa Bliss's like, superpowers. I guess that's what we'll call them. Voodoo magic. Shenanigans. Call shenanigans. It develops those. I think the right team won. The right team is going to uh, Money in the Bank. Um, and it was a solid match. Nothing to write home about, but it was solid. Right. We get to the final men's qualifying match, Riddle and Drew McIntyre. And before I just say anything, this was, oh, my God. This was such a banger. Oh, my God. Chef's kiss. It was great. It was um, one of the best TV matches of the year. I, I can't disagree. And again, I said this. I keep, I'm like an RK bro sort of like fanboy. But, like, every match that they have been a part of since they've kind of been a, a thing has been great. These the two matches, and now we can. I mean, we'll talk about Real McIntyre in, uh, in more depth. I thought this was great. The, the match they had against the New Day, RK Bro New Day, it was amazing. Riddle and Xavier Woods. <laughs> I thought that was such a banger. TV matches of the year. Again, they've been having. And it's funny because we, we we kind of should talk raw, but they else they kind of have some. Sometimes they have some really awesome matches. Um, but again, it's just like you know they're they're creating magic. Which I, which I love. So, um, but with this one, Riddle McIntyre, um, Matt, you can tell McIntyre is just battered from, from yesterday, uh, from, the, from the last night against Hell in a Cell. And you, you can tell throughout the match he's really selling those injuries. I thought that he was going to take a hiatus after this match. Um, and I'll kind of go into that a little bit. But again, these guys go back and forth. The chemistry was just there. Um, we saw, kind of skipping to the end here, we see McIntyre counter a Broton. He started throwing Riddle from one side of the ring to the other. <laughs> that was so funny, bro. Like, angry, like, pissed off. I'm just going to throw you around because I can. Drew McIntyre is the best Drew McIntyre. He is. And I'll tell you what, it was great when he did it, but Riddle sold it as he was being, like, brutally murdered. The way he sold a chop... I couldn't stop laughing. He was I, screaming in agony. <laughs> it was it was just it was just amazing. Um, and even yeah, it was. And again, he like usually when McIntyre does like the kip up after he does like his whole flurry thing, you could tell again he was in pain. Uh, but after several counters, McIntyre hit the future shock DDT for a close two count. They went back and forth. Uh, McIntyre was sitting up in an electric chair, but Riddle caught him in a victory roll. For the win, Riddle is in the money of the bank match, beating McIntyre. McIntyre has lost two days in a row. Um, and once again, I just thought it was great. And I'm trying to think of, like, you know, I, I feel like that this is probably, again, like like JP has said, one of my favorite TV matches of the year easily. Um, after the match, and we'll talk about McIntyre in a bit, after the match, because Randy Orton came out to watch during towards the end. And, and Riddle, well, you could tell he was in pain in his scooter. He, that was a funny image, too, of him so much in pain riding his scooter. <laughs> and he rides it to Orton. And he's just like, this for me, bro. And like, while well, he's in pain and Randy Orton wouldn't do it. And you could tell, like, R- Matt Riddle's like a, like a pup. He's like, why not, bro? Why would you miss me, bro? <laughs> and then, um, 
but we also see, and he and he didn't do it. That's how the segment ends. But we saw again McIntyre in the ring, just beaten. You can tell mentally he's destroyed. I don't know where this leads. Maybe we get to the whole thing where like he has to kind of get back to his wonders. Or I think, man, I think the guy deserves deserves a well rested break. He he's been one of the guys that's been carrying the WWE in the pandemic era. He's been a WWE champion in the worst time, and it worked. We'll say it again. It made it work. It made it work. Like again, I agree. And he's been he's been doing a hell of a job, you know. So I think he deserves a break there. But they announced that next week there's going to be a last chance qualifying match, triple threat match: AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and McIntyre. Whoever wins that is the fourth guy in the Money in the Bank on the Raw side because they do four and four for SmackDown Raw. Um, so. You know, the whole that, that was a whole debate, too, the whole loser's bracket sort of thing. And I, I don't hate it. It's just that I kind of don't want any of those three guys to be in the match. Well, from what I heard, Damian Priest was supposed to be in the match. That's – and I'm glad you brought that up because I would have forgotten. I was shocked originally that he was nowhere to be found in the whole qualifying match thing. But, again, he's, he's injured. He had the injury before Mania, actually. He wrestled through Mania, wrestled through WrestleMania Backlash, and they just gave him the, the rest like they, they wanted to. So that's why he's not in it. Um, Just my prediction, because I personally, I don't think Styles is going to be in it. I think that he's going to have the tag team championship match. I'm, I might say Orton, just, just because the whole, just for RK Bro to be in it, and maybe they want to do something with that. I don't know. Maybe further the, the, the intensity between the two? I don't know. There's a 99% chance Randy Orton wins. I think. Oh, you think so too? Okay. I think he's the favorite. Um, it just advances the story of RK Bro. So now they're both in Money in the Bank. What's going to happen? Is Randy going to betray his bro? That made me sad when he said it like that. Is he going to betray his bro? This match with. Uh, Riddle and Drew McIntyre was fantastic. It was physical. It had all the spots. It had the storytelling. Matt Riddle is going to be a WWE champion one day. It, it's going to be real soon. Um, and Drew McIntyre, again, pissed off, throwing people around Drew McIntyre. It's great. This match actually was the longest match of Raw. It went 21 minutes and 20 seconds. This match went 20 over 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. It was as long as the uh, Alexa Bliss-Nikki Cross match, the AJ Styles and Omos match, and the Asuka-Naomi match combined. Here's the thing, man. It's just, when, it, when I was watching that match, it just made me, it, it made me very happy because, you know, just seeing how, like, you know, because people always say, like, WWE is more entertainment than it is wrestling. And that's the, that's the stupid... I, w- I can't even just say AEW fans. It's just people who just are anti-WWE. I put this to it, and, and one person questioned me. I said, you know, people who call the WWE the E, you know, the that's E. So I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's so stupid. Like, it, it was you're the cringe. only person that, like, if you say the E, you're the only person who's the E. T- t- touch some grass, um, but because you can say the e drones, you know, sort of thing. But um, it's good to see that again, like on Raw, you see these over twenty minute matches, and they just put on a damn show with these two guys. 
And these guys are pretty much to me like the top two baby faces on Raw, arguably. Definitely McIntyre and Riddle. I mean, who, I'm trying to think of anybody else. I mean, those are the guys. Um, so, and, and I'll, I mean, the new day, right? But like, um, oh, but it, that's who the top two baby faces are. I think it's Drew and Kofi. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, but besides, because he's in a feud right now, definitely Riddle's up there. Um, it's great to see that they put on a show. Again, they're entertaining, and then they put on a show. What were you going to say? TV matches of the year. Just completely agree. unpredictability was through the roof. Like, you could – I legitimately didn't know who was going to win. Same. I was thinking – I was, like – I was thinking, like – to me, I was like, oh, are they going to give McIntyre back the win? Whatever. Because I think I they want to go down this, this pathway of McIntyre just kind of, like, maybe needing that break. Broken like, dreams. Bro, when I saw someone speculate that, if he comes out to Broken Dreams, I'm gonna cry. I love that theme song so much. That theme song is amazing. Um, but again, just a great match. And then we get to the main event: Xavier Woods, Bobby Lashley, Hell in a Cell match. Oh my god! So you know, <laughs> I was kind of questioning the whole thing by Hell in a Cell, the Hell in a Cell stipulation. Like I was giving to everybody, and I can't say that's wrong either, but. This match was great. <laughs> Listen. It was one of the best teams. Okay. This might be a hot take. This was my match of the night. This was also one of the best TV matches of the year. I, I will still say Riddle and McIntyre. However, I, I definitely agree about the whole best TV matches of the year thing. But, but again, I don't know what it is. Raw was on some steroids yet on Monday because... because- the matches mattered. That's the thing. The in-ring work was that was top-notch because usually what they would just kind of throw in these matches that would be two or three minutes and it really wouldn't matter. But like you just you hit it on the nose, you just these matches mattered. And yeah. they're all really good. And again, I um it was Sean Ross Sapp that said like the qualifying matches are like the bare minimum. I, who cares? It is the bro? bare minimum, especially for when you have a roster as stacked as Raw's, I mean, we could legitimately see a pay-per-view without the U.S. champion on it. Sheamus. I forgot. Yeah. We could I see, forgot he's the U.S. champion. We could see a pay-per-view without Damian Priest on it. And the, the qualifying matches just make sense. It's, like I said, it's the bare minimum to do for Money in the Bank. Having automatic qualifiers is dumb because it's wrestling. Nobody's automatic, except Charlotte. But it just makes sense to have qualifying matches. They're intriguing television because now the stakes are high. Well, that's that what I'm saying. The best. But see, that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't think personally for me it's it's the bare minimum because like to me it just makes sense to have the matches. And again, if it can result in some awesome in-ring work, I'm happy. And well, Monday, it proved it. And, and Friday, I have no reason to believe that Friday won't be different. Things making sense is the bare minimum for Raw. For Raw. For Raw. <laughs> that is true. Sense. That is true. Um, but going back to this match, again, you know, pretty much me, me and JP were kind of going on Twitter and saying, you know, RIP Xavier Woods, you know. Um, and, I mean, Bobby Lashley definitely was going through him. But, again, Xavier Woods, I feel like it's a thing every week we say about Xavier Woods, how underrated he is. Um, because he, he is all he's very good. And again, I know that he has been having this whole campaign. If they bring back the King of the Ring thing, he should win. I agree. Just book I it now. 
just book it now, you know, <laughs> just book it now that he, he's the winning. Um, but it was an awesome, I, I, someone put it on Twitter too, but like that the one spot where like, it was like he Irish whip woods and they would kind of went back and forth and he kind of got the chop block in the legs. It was just such a nice spot. They did there. Hell man. My, again, my favorite spot. I don't care if it's too gimmicky. When he did that springboard elbow drop to, to Lashley on the table, he overshot the man. I want to know how far away that is. Because, like, the thing about that move, what makes it so cool is he gets up on the top rope. He walks the ropes before he jumps, right. which is insane. Like, I was like, oh, my God, he might win. Like, this might be it. And then Bobby actually hits the spear, gets the win with the, uh, the hurt lock. And then puts the hurt lock on Xavier Woods while Kofi has to watch. This just makes sense. It's perfect storytelling. Xavier Woods needs to be like a single champion, not like by himself, by himself, but within the New Day. I think he should be the next guy because he's been putting in work this year. Like we talked about the Matt Riddle match. He had one with Orton that was great. Um, he faced. Uh, did he face AJ Styles? I feel like he had a Styles match that was good. Um, mm-hmm. And then this one. He's such a fantastic wrestler who I'm so glad is getting the respect he deserves. Because I think he's always been the more underrated member of the New Day. But the dude can wrestle, man. And this was, a, again, one of my favorite TV matches of the year. And it only went 13 minutes. Did it really? Okay, so um, again, I thought it was great too. Just kind of going back to that springboard elbow drop, and you just made a great point. You would think that he would definitely get, if not as much, if more distance, if he did like what AJ Styles does on the on the phenomenal forearm, which is like jumping onto it and then doing it. He walked and then jumped. You know how hard that is, and people might think, "Oh, that's simple." You try and don't fall on your ass. You know how far you have to jump. Like, you're not getting any momentum. It's like jumping from the turnbuckle. But instead, you're balancing on the ropes. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. And like you said, the ending was pretty much perfect, the way it goes. Um, and that's raw. Again, you know, I don't say this enough. and Because usually when an episode of Raw is better than usual, I say it was better than usual. I don't say it was really good. I'm willing to say that this was a good episode of Raw. This was the best episode of Monday Night Raw since the Sheamus Drew McIntyre match. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, I, I would feel like I'm trying to remember kind of like the Raw as a whole. I'm go- I, I would go as far as to say this is the best Raw of the year. Because again, I feel like that that night had that one match, which is great. Don't get me wrong. That was I love that match. If we if you go back to that episode where we talk about it, you, you'll hear us praise about it. But the rest of the show. I feel like this was just a complete show of Raw. I mean, this, I don't know if it's a hot take, but this might be the best Raw of the pandemic era, the Thunderdome era. I mean, I have, I'm, nothing comes to mind, so maybe. I mean. Just everything mattered. Just really it. Just make stuff matter. And they did that, and it provided for really great matches. I mean, everything had a story attached to it. Pretty much. Even and again, about, even the uh, even Marie and Piper Niven match, it had a story attached to it. And that match only went two minutes. Right. It's advancing the stories. It's good writing. And, you know, 
it's just something that they should be doing all the time. They really should. Like, it's not hard. Just so be competent. I know we're, we're, we're praising Raw and just one final thing. Again, the in-ring work and this was great. I'm probably going to rewatch that Riddle uh, McIntyre match and that main event. Um, next week, though, we have that triple threat qualifying match, which should be good. You know, the three guys in the ring are ultra talented, obviously. We also have a strap match, JP, between Elias and Jackson Riker. And I hate to bring it up because we were talking so good on Raw. We saw this little segment here where, you know, it was Jackson Riker hitting himself with a strap and Mansoor kind of comes up to him and asks for him for advice. And he says, never have your enemies escape or whatever. And some bullshit like that. Um, and then we saw kind of Mustafa Ali saying, you shouldn't you know, talk to this guy or whatever. And, and, but yeah, you know, it sets up a, a strap match between the two and I can't really say I'm excited, um, but it's what it is. Jackson, uh, and, Jackson Riker looked at Mansoor like he said vaccines were effective. Thoughts on the strap match, JP, for next week? Do I have to? Yes. <laughs> like, I don't care. Do I, have I don't care about this match. Like, what? I have no reason to care about Jackson Riker. I have no reason to care about Elias. But I will say the adding, the continued story between Mustafa Ali and Mansoor is actually interesting because I think they can go a lot of different ways with this. I think you could go with Mansoor and Mustafa Ali as a tag team, or what I think they should go with is Mustafa Ali as Mansoor's manager or like his protege because he's giving him kind of that ad- advice like a protege. So I think that just makes sense. But I'm not excited at all for this strap match. In fact, I forgot the strap match even existed. He said, do I, do, he said, do I have to? That was funny. I, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on the same boat. Not really excited for it. I, 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 just still, I still find hilarious, though, that Jackson Riker is the face in this. That's the best part about this for me. He is the baby face in this story. No one's rooting for him. I'm glad that this is not happening when fans are returning. I hope that this... Uh, whatever. Moving on. Um, but that's raw. So, I mean, those two things are pretty much what's scheduled for next week. They don't, they don't really have, uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything scheduled for next week. I'm not really sure. So, uh, we go to NXT now. No. What happened? All, all of Jackson Riker's moves are going to be, going to be done to the far right. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, it's a good one. Um, fuck Jackson Riker. Going to start in NXT. Um, we get first of all, uh, briefly. Last week's NXT was great, you know. And what do we see? We saw Samoa Joe return. Joe, 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 as the enforcer for William Regal. So, and he, he I mean, he started some trouble. He put. You know, he was choking out Adam Cole at one point when they were separating each other. It, it was awesome to see Smojo back. Uh, and briefly, we'll talk about In Your House. Uh, was, personally, I thought it was a pretty solid pay-per-view for them. I thought the Fatal 5-Way match in the main event was fantastic. Honestly, probably literally a top five match of the year for me, honestly. I, I, that's how much I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, so, JP, briefly, if you want to talk about the pay-per-view, what you thought it was, it? it was stupendous. Um, every match was amazing. I loved the million dollar match. I was sad that Cameron Grimes lost, which 
legit i was legitimately sad like i was like oh man like come on this was perfect for him but it makes sense to have a heel holding the million dollar title yeah ted dibiase was always a heel um i think Cameron grimes is also destined for bigger and better things the fatal five way was phenomenal i uh I think I said it on Twitter, but Johnny Gargano was the MVP of that match for me. Everybody was pulling their own weight, but Johnny Gargano was everywhere. And like, I don't know if carrying cross winning was the right move. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm not a fan of carrying cross because I am, but I feel like his promo ability, he's just been getting barred up every time. <laughs> like, like, I know, I don't think we did an episode with this one, but when Adam Cole said they gave you the entrance, you had the girl, you had the uh, the outfit, you had the theme song, that all makes you special. What they do to make me special is they put, they just ring the bell. And I'm like, oh my God, there's no way Carrie and Cross can recover from that. Cameron Grimes said he he get his, he got a suit from Dollar General, bro. You, you can't recover from that. That's Cameron Grimes. Like, I don't know, but I feel like this was Karrion Cross's best match as champion. And I feel like a lot of it is due to having those other four guys in the ring. Well, the the thing I will say about that is, you know, because you said Gargano was the MVP. I can't really disagree, but I I mean, I thought everybody was pretty great. I I thought Pete Dunne was amazing, even though I I knew that he was not going to win the match. I thought he was great. He Um, won fight, which means he wasn't winning. It's funny because that's like the opposite when it comes to the Super Bowl. You know, it's like when, when, the football team that wears the white, they always win. And when it comes to, you know, wrestling, not really. He looked clean, though. I, I, can't, I can't lie there. Um, I thought that you definitely could tell that the best spots of the night were not having Karrion Cross in there. Right? Karrion Cross had his moments, and they were great. Like when he was, like, tossing them around, it was awesome. But you can tell that the the most exciting spots, the innovative stuff, he wasn't there. And you, I mean, listen, he, obviously because he's not as like agile, he's not as uh, you know because they, they do a lot of other For stuff. The majority of the match, he was like laying out on the ground, right, or fighting someone else on the outside while people in the ring are just doing these crazy spots. Because um, obviously Adam Cole, Gargano, O'Reilly, and and Dunn, they're doing some amazing stuff. Um. I can't say Karrion Cross winning is the wrong move because his only title defense was against Balor and that was it. So I, I can see that maybe they want him to have a, a future title reign. I think, I'm pretty sure that was it. It was just Balor. I think that was. I was remembering the Adam Cole Finn Balor match. That was the, that was for the title. Right. Because I thought that was Karrion Cross. Right. Um, but again, I, I thought the fiddle five was was great. Again, it's up there with my match of the year. So, but let's go ahead and talk about NXT. Uh, this week's NXT, and we, we were kind of um, what happened last week is that we were announced that we're going to get Adam Cole O'Reilly two this time just a regular wrestling match at the Great American Bash in a couple weeks, uh, and they were fighting over it. And Regal was saying how they're going to um, fight people of their choosing. So Adam Cole he basically didn't choose until the, today until NXT, and we'll talk about who he faces. Kyle O'Reilly was scouting it. He chose Kushida. They had a match at the main event, Kyler Ray Kushida. Oh my God. So, but when it comes to Adam Cole, he came out to the ring. 
and basically said, like, you know, he refused to choose his own opponents. He didn't want to play by Regal and especially Samoa Joe's rules. Who comes out? It's Carmelo Hayes, uh, who faced Kushida uh, before, and it was great. He comes out to convince to fight him. Uh, and why? And Adam Cole says, why should I do that? And, and what does Carmelo, he- Carmelo Hayes say? He says, ruthless aggression. Who, who said that? John Cena back in 2003. Um, and he, or 2002, and he, and he slaps Cole in the face, and obviously, uh, just like what John Cena did to Kurt Angle, and he, and then they have a match, um, and it was a good match. I mean, what can you expect? Adam Cole, and especially, it was a really good showcase for Hayes as well in this one, and especially that's what they want to do for these younger guys. They want to put up with the top stars. Top stars comes out with a dub at the end, but you're giving them also a great showcase. It's not a squash match. I thought this was great. Uh, at the end, you know, uh, Hayes and Cole, they're kind of going back at each other. Uh, but then Hayes blocked a first Panama Sunrise attempt with a super kick, but then Cole eventually got it back, hitting one for the win. Um, and then I'll, I think we saw a thing later where it's like William Regal was telling Cole to not provoke Joe any further, and he just kind of walks out on him. Uh, JP, thoughts on this match? William Regal's face, first off, when he walked into Adam Cole's off room was hilarious. Like it's the it's the signature of William Regal just like right. where he just looks disgusted and everything. I think that's hilarious because I'm pretty sure William Regal has had enough of Adam Cole. The match was really good. I think Carmelo Hayes is a future NXT champion. From following him on the indies of Christian Casanova, you should you should watch some of his matches if you haven't. He's amazing. Um and this really, this was a great showcase. I want NXT to do more stuff like this with Adam Cole as well for the build up to Great American Bash. Have him just face up and comers and build them up while also winning the match. Because I think we talked about on here before, there's losses and then there's like good losses. This is a great loss for Carmelo Hayes because he hung in there with Adam Cole and he's he's got all the talent in the world. And he's, like I said, he's going to be a future NXT champion. I'm a little worried about the uh, O'Reilly-Cole match at Great American Bash because I think I uh, mentioned it when I talked about the uh, extreme uh, barbed wire death match where you can't go any further. You can't really go much further than the unsanctioned match. And right. reverting back to a regular match, I feel like um, Tommaso Champion and Giant Gargano did this as well. But I'm not sure. It just, I'm a little worried because I don't want the intensity of the feud to get dampened by or dampened by just having a regular match. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Here's what I here's why I like it. It's because um, their first match was unsanctioned, right? And I, I guess Cole has that sort of thing where it's like, okay, but he's not a better wrestler than me. You so they're just having Baker. a wrestling match. He got what? it from Britt Baker. Because it's you same what? Happened. He got it from Britt Baker. The same thing happened with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Right. There you go. And again, when you compared it to the whole explore, exploding barbed death match thing, they had a match before, right? Can you make a one? And then they kind of went to the exploding barbed death match. It's kind of the reverse here. And I kind of like the whole thing where, like, yeah, he beat me in this match, but he can't beat me. He's not a better wrestler than me. You know, he can't beat me in a wrestling match. That's kind of why I liked it personally. Um, so 
I mean, I have no reason to believe that this that it won't be another five star match, you know, because <laughs> I mean, those two at the ring they create magic. Um, so I'm excited for it again. It's gonna be at the Great American Bash. Um, so we'll see where that goes. So next off, we see jo- Zoe Stark and Io Shirai versus Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea of the of the Rubber Stone brand. Um, Zoe Stark had an interview talking about how she respects Io Shirai, wanted to help her. Um, basically, and Io Shirai comes out and says, you know, I respect you as well, but I don't like you, you know. Um, and then we saw Frankie Monet with Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea uh, before the match. They have the match. It's, it's not, it's not a, uh, a long match. It's, uh, but obviously, you know, it's uh, the faces coming out on top here. Uh, and again, Zoe Stark looks good every week. Afterwards, we see the way come out to watch the match. And then after the match, they're coming to the ring. Who else comes to the ring? It's Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And then after they come out, and they, I mean, they say that, you know, hope you don't, I hope you don't guys think you're the normal contenders because we are. And then Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart come out. And then they all just start to brawl until Samoa Joe comes out. You know, he's, he's being, you know, he's pretty busy these past couple weeks. Um, kind Restore of separate, order. sending out officials. What happened? Restore order. I, I mean, he's doing a pretty good job, you know, a, a, getting officials coming out, separating them, whatever. Uh, and then it was announced later that there's going to be a triple threat tag team match to be the number one contenders for the tag team titles. Stark and Shirai versus Gonzalez and Kai versus Moon and Blackheart. Whoever wins faces the champions at the Great American Bash. Sure. Uh, thoughts on the match? Thoughts on the match next week? I mean, uh, anytime Aliyah and Jessica Maya are in a match, you can pretty much like bet that the team they're facing is going to win. Like, <laughs> right. they, are the, uh, they are the build up, like the tag team build up guys. Um, I feel like this is a very good natural progression for Io Shirai as a wrestler and as her story in NXT because she can't logically go back and face Raquel Gonzalez again. So tag team titles works. I don't think she's ever held the tag titles to my knowledge in NXT. I don't think she's ever held the women's tag titles. No, she Mm -hmm. hasn't. She hasn't. Who, Io Shirai, you mean? Yeah, she hasn't, I don't think. I mean, they just debuted, so definitely not. Well, I'll talk about women's tag titles in general, because I think Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks faced, I think it was Asuka and Io Shirai on an NXT. That is true. When that, I don't think it was Asuka. It was Io Shirai. I'm trying to forget another guy. It was Tegan Knox, Maybe? I or Shotzi Blackheart. One of those two. I'm looking it up right now. But either way, while you look that up, I think this is, again, a good natural progression for Io Shirai. The match itself next week is going to bang because everybody in the match is fantastic. I think this is a good way to narrow down the number one contenders. It's a good, th- it's a good thing for Zoe Stark, too, because Zoe Stark can't go into the main title picture right now because it is so freaking jam-loaded. So, right. so- this is a good little backup plan. So the match was Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Tegan Knox and Blackheart. That was the match. No, it was uh, Sasha Banks versus Io Shirai. That, they had that at last year's Great American yeah, Bash. Last year's Great American Bash. It was awesome. It was great. Um, so I think the match next week is going to be amazing. But this this week's match between uh, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai and uh, Jessica May and Leah was, you knew who was going to win. 
Yeah. I don't think uh, Jessica May and Ali have won a match in like two years. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, so we get Johnny Gargano, Austin Theory to the ring. He tells NXT that because of new management, they they need a new cha- they need a new champion. So he calls out Karrion Cross, basically saying, kind of saying what, what what Adam Cole did. He's saying like not only you know he outclassed him at the Fatal Flyway match, but he can out wrestle him on his bad day. He's not wrong, right? I mean, not wrong. I I, I like Karrion Cross, I promise. But Johnny Gargano was kind of speaking facts. Um, so. But then, but who comes out? It's Pete Dunne with Oni Lorcan. And pretty much Pete Dunne had, took offense to it, saying, you know, that he considers himself the number one contender. Um, Gargano pretty much was walking out. He was refusing to fight because he was kind of, you know, provoking Austin Theory. I think Austin Theory has been hilarious in this kind of idiot son role sort of thing because, like, you, Pete Dunne was provoking him. And Johnny Gargano says, don't get provoked, Austin. And Austin says, I'm provoked. I'm provoked. Um, and their they're fight is, we're going to be the bigger men. We're a law-abiding citizens, Johnny Gargano says. So they're going to leave. And the theory was taunting Pete Dunne. And then, you know, j- just uh, for his trouble, he breaks his finger. Uh, and then, you know, theory is screaming in pain. Um, he goes to Regal's office to demand that there should be consequences for Pete Dunne and, and Lorcan. And he said, and he gives him a new pencil as a, as a present. Uh, and he says, um, you're right, there should be consequences. And Gargano's getting very excited, but they set up a match between, excuse me, The Way and then Dunn and Lorcan. He he's like, I'm not changing, I'm not changing, whatever. The match starts, and it was a good touch to see that Gargano and Theory, they're like putting on their gear as they're heading to the ring. I thought that was a pretty good touch. Uh, they have a match. And I didn't think that this, was, this match was going to be as good as it was. I don't know why I thought that. I thought this was a oh. banger. I thought it was awesome. You know, I thought it was actually really damn good. It was very fun. Um, I'm, I, I, I want to say, honestly, it might, again, it might have been possibly match of the night for me. Talking about the main event, for me personally. Um, but I thought it was great. Those two went at it. And again, you know, it was good to see Austin Theory and Oni Lorcan get involved more, especially in the matches they had their awesome stuff. And by the way, I really hope Austin Theory just uses that springboard Spanish fly. They just yep. That match that that movie is really awesome. That's an and AR he did Fox it signature. That's an AR Fox signature. AR Fox the one who trained Austin Theory, and he oh. always did the springboard Spanish fly where he would like jump up. Like it was. It's kind of like uh, what's that move called? Uh, Sami Zayn used to do it a lot. I can't remember what it's called. But where he like oh in Arabian Press where he'd uh, jump up and use his legs to flip, it's like oh, right, right. Spanish Fly. I think it looks awesome. Thanks, uh, the match was really good, man. And I want to present to you like with all the shenanigans that happened after the match. What if we get a face Johnny Gargano against Karrion Cross? Because I don't think Karrion Cross is a face. No, he's definitely not. He's a heel. So doing heel versus heel would be a little weird. I feel like for me personally, that Gargano is already a face. Because I feel like if you if you heard the promo, I, I, I feel like he's in the middle at the moment. But you heard the fans, because there's fans at the CWC now. They're chanting Johnny the whole time. You know, he's he's a like he's, he's a like guy. Wrestling. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think that he, they should. I, I feel like the Gargano now is hilarious with the way. I don't think they should split the way up. I think if you keep the Johnny Gargano now against Karrion Cross, I think it works personally you can for me. Give it the way to being faced too. It'd be a lot more difficult, but there's really not a lot of face factions on NXT. NXT right. is very heel heavy. I'll tell you what, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I don't even think it would be hard. I feel like the only person that really acts like, like a heel recently has been Candice LeRae, especially against like like Poppy and, and Io Shirai and stuff like that. But Indy Hartwell, you, I, I would argue she's been sort of a face, that, especially the whole thing with Dexter Loomis. Austin Theory, you know, he just kind of like that bumbling sort of guy, so I think it's fine. Gargano, I feel like, again, I feel like it's kind of like these past couple of weeks especially have been kind of like you, maybe you can see that start to turn or he'll be in that middle. Um, but like you said, after the match ended and he won, he pinned uh, an awesome ending, by the way. He, he, did a, he did a suicide dive to Pete Dunn, but during it, he did a tornado DDT. I, I, was, I was like, okay, go off. And then he went in the ring. He did that, uh, that finishing DDT on Oni Lorcan, put him away. He win. He was celebrating. Oni Lor. Oh, I said Oni Lorcan. Carrying Cross does that forearm smash right to the back of the head. Pretty much saying, you know, finisher. I'm sorry. That is a lame finisher. It sucks. Like he should use the cross jacket as a submission finisher. There's no reason for me to think that a forearm to the back of the head would be a finisher when everybody does forearms. Okay, well, I I don't disagree, but let me just say this. I think it's fucking better. Well, I'm sorry for cursing. I think it's better than the whole thing with Anthony Agogo. That least, whole gut punch shit. At I least hate it. Anthony Agogo is like a Olympic boxer. But Karrion Cross is a, is I think I think he's a a monster. He does judo. Okay. Anthony Agogo is an Olympic boxer who has medals in boxing but but to me i i think it's more so the presentation of the move because like a gut punch putting away a person in professional wrestling to me is stupid whatever whether you're an olympic boxer or what whatever in, yeah. in, in that case because they always promote that 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 uh king corbin he's a golden gloves champion he's a five-time golden gloves champion a punch to the face and knock someone out and that'll be it yeah, but we carrying cross the whole forearm smash back to that again i don't disagree with you I, I, you know, you know, but um, I, I think his finishers are honestly like the Saito suplex, right? It's just a back body drop, you know what I'm saying? Um, the cross jacket again, you know, that's something different. Um, I mean, I just I, so don't disagree. I just think it's clunky. The setup is clunky. It's not something that can be hit. Like, I'm not saying every move should be able to be hit out of nowhere, but it's sort of it's a real clunky setup where you gotta like run behind them, get a running start, and then, like, hit them. Like, the only comparison I have to WWE to it is the bull hammer that Wade Barrett used to do. But Wade Barrett didn't have to run behind you. He could do it right to your face. You could do you do it out of nowhere. The setup wasn't didn't take as long, and it wasn't as clunky. It, this just feels clunky. Yeah. You know, I, I don't disagree. You know, um, I like when the finishers are like cool looking, personally for me, or just they're somewhat effective. 
you know, I guess the effectiveness is there, but like it just, it's just a forearm smash to the back of that. I think Wade Barrett, like the bull hammer, was freaking awesome. He it looked he looked cool doing it because there was a little presentation with it. It was fine. The it, when he when Karen Cross does it, it just like, you know, that's it. So, um, Cassius Ono or Chris Hero now, he does. I get he does a rolling elbow or ripcore rolling elbow. All of his elbows look like it hurts really bad. Carrying crosses, I guess it depends on who's selling it. It doesn't look like that hurts that much. Like it's, well, it, let, it, let me bring this up to you. Do you say the same about JBL's clothesline from hell? No, I think the clothesline from hell is one of the best finishers in wrestling ever. It's just, I just think the way he hits it, it he looks like he's killing them. Which is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I agree. Like, he did one the hurricane where he just like decapitated him. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, but again, it looks like we're, we're going to be seeing um, Gargano um, against Cross, and honestly, sign me up. You know, I want to see it. So we move on. It's the Encore world premiere, Frankie Monet. She's going up against Electra Lopez. I have never seen Electra Lopez in my life. Um, but my God, you know, my God. Um, hey man, I agree. With, I agree with you. So, I, I, is it okay for you if we share our, the tradition we do every wrestling show or every week, where when there's a uh, an attractive looking woman on a WWE show, it's a um, what's the picture? It's of SpongeBob and Patrick looking at that map. It's that one episode where they're doing the treasure map thing and they don't want to look at it, but they look at it with their eyes going up against the map respectfully. That's me and JP. And so, yeah, when I, when I, you know, Electra Lopez, I saw a picture of, Ele- of Electra Lopez on a SmackDown live show. It was her and Chris Statlander. They were, I, I forgot the, the, um, the name they had. It was something like the, the, the Brooklyn Bellas or something like that there. And they were just on SmackDown live. Huh. It was a couple years ago. I don't know, but she was there before. So and she, I don't know what the gimmick is with Electra Lopez. She's like a, uh, she has like a like a hula skirt sort of thing. I don't know, um, but she has a match against Frankie Frankie uh, Monet. Uh, a pr- a pretty um, a pretty brief one here. It wasn't totally a squash match. You know, we saw some offense from Electra Lopez, but um, but she puts her away with a glam slam uh, for the win. Obviously, to Beth Phoenix's liking. I gotta, <laughs> I just find it funny how. Frankie Monet said that she used to watch Beth Phoenix as a kid when they're like almost the same age. <laughs> I, from what I've, from what I've seen, I, I, for, I just want to make sure of that because when I saw like, she kind of looks the same thing. Frankie Monet is 37 years old and Beth Phoenix is um, 40. So really? Yeah. Beth Phoenix is 40. She's just forty. Wow, I I did not I didn't know that at all, bro. See, I thought that it was like Frankie Monet was younger, but she's thirty-seven. Um, so yeah, when when they said that, I'm like, I don't know if I could believe that, but um, it is what it is. I mean, it's great. We're we're definitely seeing a huge push for Frankie Monet. Is she the person to take the title off of Raquel? I don't know. I would think it'll be Dakota Kai. Uh, we'll see. I think it's gonna be Frankie Monet. You think so? I I, I wouldn't be more, I wouldn't be mad with it. I'm on the hype. I think she's gonna be the one. If 
we saw Taya Valkyrie in Impact. She's fantastic. As a heel, she is amazing. It would just be kind of interesting going from heel to heel for title holders, but I think she definitely is the next one up. I, I completely agree. Again, I think she's going to be a, a star there, so we'll see. Uh, next, we see um, we see Bronson Reed do an interview and talk about uh, Santos Escobar, but who comes? Um, it's Hit Row, Hit Row Records, the new faction, um, and it's it's more so like you know, sort of Scott has his kind of eyes on the NXT North American Championship, but really it's Top Dollar or AJ Francis, sort of like you know who's big is big compared to Bronson Reed. Um, kind of looking at him. They're, they're having a match against Everrise. Everrise tried to spray paint Hit Row's van, but Top Dollar caught him. <laughs> um, and, and he was saying, and he had like ski masks on, and they says, how do you know it was us? He's like, you're, you're wearing your own merch. You know, they're wearing their own merch. So, um, Everrise is fantastic. I, I love Everrise. No, they're great. Like they're, um, they're very much, um, remember Fandango and Tyler Breeze on SmackDown as fashion police? Fashion Files, that's ever rise. So, you know, it's funny you say that. I mean, this is just a random thought I had. My favorite show, my favorite television show is Twin Peaks. And I saw just clips of like when the, of like when the Fashion Files and they were spoofing Twin Peaks. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm sad I missed this when it was live. Um, but they have a match, Ever Rise versus Hit Row, They're the in-ring debut of Top Dollar and who's with... Um, Ashante the Adonis, um, and they pretty much make quick, quick work over them. Um, Top Doll, I mean, Top Doll looked impressive. You know, this is his first in-ring match. He looked fine. He looked great. I can't wait to see more of him. I like Hit Row. You know, I know a lot of people love Hit Row now. Um, I saw they had, like, a song, right? They released a song. JP, I can't really say that song is good. You know what I'm saying? I can't really Hit Row is the best faction in the WWE, just from that song alone. I don't, that song is it's definitely something it's it's fine it's it's fine it's um a, i'm all in on this like i think uh somebody on twitter uh mentioned that hit rose gimmick is built for the main roster it's built for nxt and the main roster it's got that marketability it's got the it's got an edge to it where like you can tell everything is like kind of unfiltered, aggressive, well, not aggressive, but it's unfiltered, it's authentic. And I think Swerve is going to be the next, uh, Swerve is gonna be the one to take the title off of Bronson Reed. I don't think it's gonna be like soon, but Hit Row is already, in my opinion, a top faction in NXT, just from how they're being presented. Like, I, I think NXT presents their factions so well. They do factions so great. From Legado del Fantasma, who's also one of my favorite factions in the WWE right now. The Way, Hit Row, Imperium. We haven't seen Imperium in a good minute, but all their factions are amazing. And we can even go back to RIP, Undisputed Era, and two. I, we haven't gotten to the main event yet, but that faction also could be really cool. Right. And we'll get to that. Um, which we're, we're at the main event right now. Before we get to the main event, they, they had this thing throughout the show of like a a battery. Yeah. 
Um, I thought that was going to be the diamond mine thing, but I don't think it is. And before the main event, it was at like 50%. So I don't know what the hell that means. Maybe well, maybe next week we'll see what that means. I have no idea. Um, I hope it's not the next – this whole another hacker sort of thing that we saw from SmackDown. Um, oh, boy. So <laughs> um, we get to this match, and again, we, I mean, people were hyping this a match you know, since last week, and – it kind of lived up to his praise. I thought it was a really awesome. Again, I you know, I still think that tag team match was better. I don't know. I it's personally just you know my opinion. But again, the first like five to ten minutes of this match, that was some technical stuff. And if you're not a fan of that, you probably turn the channel. They were grappling each other. They were trading holds. It was really impressive because again, it's it was very smooth what they were doing. Um, but it was it again. This was back and forth, and again, they just went at it with each other. Um. They, they really can't miss when these two are in the ring and whether it's separately, and especially with each other, I, it, it, I'm guessing this is the first time they've ever fought. Uh, and it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I kind of skipping to the ending here. Kyle O'Reilly got trapped in the hoverboard lock. He barely managed to escape. He transitioned into a schoolboy pin, trapped the leg and stole the win from him. Uh, and the two, they show their respects. They were hugging, they were, they were shaking hands. Afterwards, O'Reilly catches Adam Cole trying to attack him, and they they kind of scrap and, and they they fight. And Samoa Joe comes out to kind of get some people out to separate them, whatever. And left Kushida in the ring alone, and people attack Kushida. Uh, they're in hoods, and uh, the first the main guy takes off his thing, his hood. It's Roderick Strong. And who's with them? It's Tyler. It's Tyler Rust, who's with Malcolm Bivens and Hideki Suzuki. That's the other guy with them. Um, and that's the Diamond Mines. And Bivens says, "Here are the Diamond Mines. It, it, it has arrived." And that's how we end up the show. We for the last time we saw Roderick Strong, he said, "I'm done," and left, but he's back. JP, thoughts of the match? Thoughts on the ending? Absolutely. Everything about this rocked. I mean, I love the technical wrestling of Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida. And it's actually kind of crazy. Uh, Kushida is actually has like six wins in like MMA fights. Like he's a legit like fighter. And Kyle O'Reilly, I think this is the rare like technical match where both tried to get a submission. We haven't seen that in a good minute in NXT. Um, Kyle O'Reilly getting the win here, I thought was a little interesting because Kushida is the current NXT Cruiserweight champion, but they're also building towards Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. I don't feel like either guy lost anything by losing, but it would make sense to have your champion win. But I'm, I'm all in on the diamond mind. I think Roger Strong is a great leader for this. It gives him something different to do. It gives him an edge. Um, Tyler Rust, and Malcolm Bivens had been needing something to do because I don't understand. If you have Malcolm Bivens, he needs to be on TV 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they've been doing or what they haven't been doing, but this is perfect for him. Um, I honestly don't know much about Hideki Suzuki, but from what I'm looking up right now, um, he was trained by Billy Robinson, who is a legitimate, like catch wrestling, like God. He trained Shayna Baszler, and he also uh, he started his career 
in Inoki Genome Federation in 2008. Um, apparently, he is basically like another like strong style type of wrestler. I haven't seen him wrestle, but I'm gonna look it up because I love strong style wrestling. The hard hitting, the submissions, all of it's awesome. I'm all in on the diamond mind, on the diamond mind. I'm ready for, again, the presentation and the people in it is what makes NXT so great. Like all these factions have people you can get attached to. Roger Strong has been a fan favorite for years. Tyler Russ got a lot of fans out of the losses that he's had. And then adding in the newcomer, Hideki Suzuki, this just makes sense. So let me just say that we are thankful that it wasn't Tessa Blanchard. That was a huge um, kind of speculation of what the Diamonds could be. It's not her. Um, so again, I, I'm on the same boat. I thought the match was great. I personally like the tag match better, but it was still great. And I thought the ending was pretty much picture perfect. And we'll see what that means. But that's NXT. Um, so again, like I said, or I don't think I've said this before. Uh, I probably said it in the beginning. I just forgot now. I, uh, I'm, out of, I'm going out of town this weekend. So we're not going to be doing any shows. Uh, but when I get back, we'll do some. So that means we're going to be missing. I'm going to be missing SmackDown and Dynamite on Saturday. They're having a Saturday Night Dynamite. So let's just kind of go through that, just kind of previewing it a little bit. Um, for Saturday Night Dynamite, they're having Hank Page versus Powerhouse Hobbs and Kenny Omega defending the title against Jungle Boy. JP, just general thoughts on those two matches. Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy will be one of the best TV matches of the year. Ooh. I'm calling it now. Um, Jungle Boy is on a roll. Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. It's what you expect. Powerhouse Hobbs versus Hangman Page is going to be insane. Because both guys, physical, hard-hitting, it's going to be awesome. I'm ready for it. Completely agree. And, and again, when it comes to the TV, one of the best TV matches, I think it could be. If it, if it could be as good, if not better, than, than Omega's match against Phoenix earlier in the year, then sign me up. You know, I, I think it'll be great. Um, and then Hangman Page and Powerhouse Hobbs, you know, um, I think we're going to see a, a really some loss from Powerhouse Hobbs. Because I, I think, again, I, the point is to build a Hangman Page. Um, so that's how it's going to be. Um, okay. So for SmackDown, um, I, I don't know if they really have anything planned for, 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 for then. I think it's going to be uh, they're having predictions, but we're going to see three qualifying matches probably for money in the bank. And we're going to see also that for the women's side. So this is what I'll do right now on the top of your head, JP, I'll put you on the spot right here. Um, on the men's side, on the women's side too, who do you want to see in the money, in the bank matches? Do you have any matches that they could do? The one that I will say, I hope she's in it is Liv Morgan. I really hope she's in the money, in the bank match. Uh, I hope she wins it to be honest. Any predictions of, of maybe who the what the matches will be, who will be in the Money in the Bank match, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think Cesaro and Big E will be in the uh, Money in the Bank match from the men's side. Um, I think you're either going to get Sami Zayn or Seth Rollins in that match as well. And, oh, man, the last person who I think will be in the match. Shinsuke Nakamura, please. I think, King Shinsuke. I think there's a good possibility that that happens. Can't, you can't put Baron Corbin in there. 
No. You know how many times you lost to Shinsuke recently? It, I think it could be Shinsuke. Um, women's side, Liv Morgan, definitely. Who else is there on the women? Well, there's only seven active women, right? I guess they have to put people in. Carmella is going to be in there probably. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, look it up. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I guess that they want to put Bailey in there. I don't know. Um. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> I, I don't know if they put Bailey in there. Uh, I mean, who else? Uh, I'm trying to find it now. Okay. Okay. Um. I, I really, I really am trying to trying to think. I just. Again, because remember, the last time we heard, there's seven active women on the SmackDown women's side. So, let me go to SmackDown. They probably can't even do tag team matches like they did on Raw because they can't do it. Oh, no. So, you got Bailey, Bianca Belair, Carmella, Liv Morgan, <laughs> Natalia. They're not good. Sasha Banks. Tamina. No, that can't be it. That is it. Unless you, have to count, unless you want to count, like, because uh, I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, they have Maurice listed as a super strong SmackDown. Um, <laughs> unless you want to go with uh, Kayla Braxton. I would like to see it, right? but um, so here's the thing, right? There is currently four women on the side now. So with the four on the women's side for SmackDown, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and what else? Natalia and Tamina? They're both the tag team champions? Ric Flair. Remember what I said. I don't want to remember what you said. This if people don't remember, this, this man said that Ric Flair was going to be the Raw Women's Champion. <laughs> That's what he said, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know why he said it, but he said it. And just, to, just to remind people, he was wrong, <laughs> obviously. I don't think that's gonna happen, but I don't know who else are gonna win this match. Um, you, I don't think they. Well, could they do Bianca Belair? Oh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to doing that. I don't know what I don't know what else they can do. The tag team champions, you just gotta throw them in there. Um, you know, it'd be kind of interesting. What if they open up Money in the Bank to NXT wrestlers? I would love that. I think that's a great idea. So then, if you win NXT, you can challenge Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. I think that is a beautiful idea. I think they should do that. Um. It would be kind of weird if they don't do it for the men's side, but for the women's side. But honestly, who cares? To be honest, I think they should start incorporating NXT into things a lot more. They have them in the Rumble. They did a Survivor Series once, and it was freaking. Why awesome. did they do that once? Why did they continue to do that? Um, I'm guessing pandemic. They couldn't have that many people in the. Uh... Oh, did they do that in 2019? Yeah, they did it in 2019 because okay. uh, Roman fought Keith Lee in the last part of uh, the Survivor Series match. Oh, so it was like a triple threat Survivor Series no, elimination? It was, um, the five on five. It was the men's elimination Survivor Series. So it was Raw and SmackDown versus it NXT? Raw, it was Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. 
Yeah, triple threat. Yeah, so I think the final members of the, uh, for each uh, roster were Seth Rollins for Raw, Roman for SmackDown, and Keith Lee for NXT. That sounds like a bomb. Was it good? Was that match it was good? Stupendous. I gotta watch that. I think that was the point where Keith Lee got a whole bunch of momentum, won the NXT title. Because his, his final one on one with Roman was amazing. I miss Keith Lee, man. Get better soon, man. Please. Um, speak of Big E real quick. What happened? Beat Bobby Lashley. I was thinking that too, but I, just, they, I, I heard this report that they, they might want to bring Big E to Raw. I could see him just taking the title off of, of Bobby Lashley. Let's do it. I don't think Brock – I as much as I want Brock Lesnar coming back, I don't think he's coming back. Please give me Big E as the WWE champion. I could see it. I could see him taking the title off of Lashley easily. I think it would be great. Especially since, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he's going to beat Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. I think it's, I think it's definitely likely that we see and that. They've, they've hyped up this match before. When Big E was the uh, Intercontinental Champion and Bobby Lashley was U.S. Champion. The whole build-up to the Royal Rumble. Remember when they interacted? Like, they had that stare-down. Mm-hmm. All on Twitter, they're like, Bobby versus Big E, Bobby versus Big E. And Bobby Lashley's like, you know where to find me. Come Survivor Series. And Big E's like, yeah, you know where to find me. You don't even got to wait for Survivor Series. I would like to see it. And if, if Big E wins, I mean, that means a new champion. That means Drew can challenge Big E. Again, I would like to see it. Uh, well, uh, well, I think Drew's going to be on SmackDown at that point, but we'll see. Um, a lot of exciting things. That's going to do it for us. I mean, we pretty much conclude what we're going to do. Um, so again, I'll, I'll be out this. I'll be out of town this weekend. Um, I'm gonna try to watch the shows, but I probably won't. We'll see. So that's going to do it for us. Again, we talked about Hell in a Cell, Raw, NXT, previewed SmackDown and AEW, and then we have the same thing. We we go we go back next week. So. Um, we have a couple shows planned. We, we came up with the idea of just kind of like sharing our favorite or ranking the Thunderdome era pay-per-views because we just got the last one. Sounds like a fun idea. And we have some other plan as well. So again, subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're watching us, like, comment, subscribe. If you are on Twitter, follow us at yell underscore sell. We're on Spotify, Apple podcast, anchor, um, everywhere. Pretty much where the carry podcast, you'll see us there. Uh, just support us there and leave us a review, like, comment, whatever. Again, share with us on Twitter. What episode would you like to see us talk about? Is there any list, top 10, whatever, tier ranking, whatever? We'll do it. Especially one more time after the semester ends. Um, so this will do it for us. Personal accounts, at Zach Weinberger on Twitter. Zach with an H. W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. Uh, contribute to the University Press at upressonline, upressonline.com. Uh, freelance writer for the Jewish Ford. I had my first article published there a couple weeks ago. I have one coming out this week or next week. My next one, it's a feature story. I'm excited to share that with you guys. Uh, a lot of cool stuff planned. Um, but again, really just follow me on my personal Twitter. You'll see a lot of stuff there. For JP, at Acosta32 underscore JP, where else can they find you? You can find me at the University Press as the uh, business manager. I got some pretty cool stuff coming up there for the podcast, You Press Play Sports. I'm the host of that. I'm also a writer at Big Cat Country. Kind of slow now because this is the slowest days of the NFL where nothing's really happening. 
Um, and I'm also on Pancake Podcast. We talk about the NFL, talk about the offensive line. We recorded a doozy of an episode yesterday that you're going to want to watch out for. But just follow me on Twitter to see where I'm going, uh, see what I'm talking about. I think I'm pretty cool. So you should check me out. Absolutely. Um, and that's for us again. Just keep with us and follow along with us. We're here for the ride. Thank you guys for listening, for watching, whatever. We'll see you guys next time.